the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Lablotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, he said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back right, right, right. He's not Dad Ramson. He's just fought. Stu Grimson. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Dana Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. Alright, He absolutely decked Jim Kite with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 24 of the 5 for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host. And this is the show where we focused on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Today's guest is Brian Rasmussen. And I know some of you might not know uh, quite who that is. And uh, Brian mostly played in the minors and uh, actually did play in the minors pretty much most of the time. Um, and played in the LNH, the U-Haul, and leagues like that. And this is a little bit of a change of pace, I guess. Um, it's it's kind of like the Pat Barton episode, and Brian reminds me a lot of like uh, like Pat as far as like their play style. Like they weren't the designated enforcer or the fighter, but uh, they could definitely scrap when they had to. And of course, Brian managed to rack up 200 pims inside of the LNH, and uh, you don't get that from just tripping and hooking <laughs> in that league. We'll say that much. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's uh, had a lot of fun doing this episode, and. Like I said, it's a little bit of a change of pace, and it's this is a very good inside view into minor league hockey, and uh, a lot of people seem to like that with Pat Barton over there as well in the previous episode, and the reception for that and the Kaminsky episode were fantastic. Uh, nothing but kind words said to me about those episodes. So uh, for everybody who listened to those, thank you. I really, I really do appreciate it. It means a lot that you know you kind of take the time to message me or uh, tweet at me or whatever the case may be on Twitter. So uh, again, thank you for the great reception I've had on those two episodes. Got a, like I said, another another great episode coming up here, and you get to hear about Rasmussen playing for uh, Dave Schultz and Madison and throwing his coach's stuff out <laughs> when the minor leagues. Uh, I forget which one. I forget which team he was playing for when he did that, but threw his coach's suit out the bus and. Uh, fighting Donald Brashear out in the LNH. So you get a little bit of everything here, and this is awesome. And uh, one person I wanted to thank also for this interview was Dean the Machine Mayrand. And, you know, I, you've, uh, plenty of people have heard me bring him up before, of course, on both the LNH special and probably when I refer to one of Fourth Line Voices episodes, I always say, you know, we had Dean Mayrand on. Um, so thank you, Dean. He referred me to Brian. And said, you got to interview this guy. He's got some great stories. And Brian, like I said, definitely did not disappoint. So I uh, had a lot of fun doing this one. 
And so, like I said, big thanks to uh, Dean. And I think I think about the end of the episode, but yeah, you know, it means a lot when people people will send me guests or uh, you know, kind of refer me to people because uh, it's hard being a I guess a one man band. I guess we'll say um, trying to fish fish and lure in some guests. Sometimes it's a little bit hard, and uh, you almost feel like a used car salesman sometimes, giving them your pitch or whatever the case may be. But um, no, I got a few got a few guests lined up already uh, for the for tomorrow, which is uh, Thursday. And then I won on Saturday, I believe. So um, hopefully, you know, everything goes right and we're still able to interview them. Um, I never like to say who the guests are until I actually record because I don't want to don't want to leave uh, leave false hopes out there, or, uh, break some promises saying I got so and so on. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I don't have them on. Um, but no. So, yeah, I definitely got definitely got some interviews coming up for you guys. And I think it's going to be great. And uh, one thing I wanted to say real quick, and it's going to be kind of changing a tone and I don't want to come off as an asshole, but I think it should be kind of addressed a little bit. So the enforcer podcasting type deal, I know I'm not the first one to do it. In fact, the very first one to do it, like I've mentioned before is fourth line voice. Um, and I pretty much say that every intro because without him, this show doesn't exist. Um, and I know there's some other enforcer ish podcasts out there, like, you know, you got Joe Lazito over at the uh, Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. He actually just interviewed Jim McKenzie, speaking of that. So definitely go check that one out. And, of course, you got Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop podcast. He also interviews some of the tough guys. And same, of course, with uh, William over at the Biscuit. And I'm not going to say who it is or anything like that. I'm not trying to motherfuck anybody here. But it's a little rude when, you know, you kind of interview enforcers and you say there's nothing out there like it. Well... Um, you know, while fourth line voice is down, that was the, that was the original. So I think it's, I know it's a respect thing with me and it kind of, kind of bothers me a little bit and I don't need to sound like a dick or standoffish here at all. Um, kind of bothers me a little bit because of course I interview the enforcers and, you know, pay, I guess, pay homage or homage, whatever you want to say to, uh, you know, all the other podcasts out there and say, there's nothing like it. Nah. Fuck off, dude. <laughs> there's there's a couple out there doing it, and um, there's one out there that was the original, and of course that was there in a fourth line voice. So, um, you know, get your shit right a little bit, I guess I'll say. Uh, you know, I I'll leave it at that, and I'll remove my lips from fourth line voice's ass. <laughs> Hopefully, his show's coming back. But um, no. So, anyways, you know that aside. Uh, again, don't mean to sound like a dick with that. I just I I had to point that out because it's been it kind of irks me, I guess. But um, no. So, anyways, uh, like I said, like the podcast I mentioned, definitely go check them out. Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box with Joe Lazito, Bucket Drop with Bobby Longgrass, and of course William over at the Biscuit, who uh, had who did he just have on? I can't remember. God, I, all these are blending together now. I've been work has been so crazy. I've listened to so many podcasts because we've had so much like not going on at work. <laughs> They're all blended together with me. Um, haven't quite gotten to the Jim McKenzie episode. I think I'm still in the Strudwick episode for Joe Lazito. So, um, but no, definitely doing, oh, those guys are all doing great stuff. And of course, if you want to get your current hockey, you got the Slewfoot show and you got the Obey the Puck show. Uh, hopefully, you know, Get the Gate uh, comes out with something here. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I know it's hard with current hockey. So, boys, if you're listening, God, I don't know what you're doing. I've I've said this like the past three shows. Well, of course, I released this show is like one after another. So, it's not like I've given you much time, but um yeah, no, where you at, boys? I need you. Uh, you know, it's it, it was a fun hearing you and listening. It kind of keeps me up to date a little bit. Um, and speaking of keeping up to date, another thing I want to address: um, my condolences go out to Colby Cave and his family. Um, it's unfortunate what happened, and 
very sad, way too young. It's crazy, you know. It's, it's, it's things. Um, these NHL players, when well, he's 25, I'm 24. It's like, holy cow, that could happen to me. Um, so you truly don't take life for granted out there, people. And I know it's kind of crazy times. And, um, you know, I know Colby was appreciated by many people. Uh, me personally, of course, I don't um, I don't watch the current game, so I didn't know too much about him. But from what I've read and seen, uh, nothing but a stand-up guy. So my condolences out to him and his family and all the best for them moving forward. But um, anyways, guys, uh, wrapping it up here. It's a little bit late, and I haven't been sleeping too good. The, the insomnia has been kicking in, so I don't want to keep up to, or keep up late or stay up too late. Jesus Christ, can't even talk right now. Um, <laughs> stay up too late here as it's already almost 10 o'clock here. So we got got a late start on this uh this intro recording and I still got to chop up and edit everything. But um, anyways, guys, if you could, uh, if you want to find the podcast, it's over at five for fighting pod on Instagram and on Twitter, it is the number five and then four fighting pod. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I post everything. And if you want to check out the show on Facebook, it's just five for fighting podcast. It'll be a Facebook page. Go ahead, give it a like, follow, uh, stay up to date with everything, everything, all the latest episodes and, Everything like that are posted there. And then along with the Enforcer Appreciation Group, um, you know, we just hit 10,000 members. Crazy to even think about. So I uh, started that back in May, and it's grown way faster than I ever could have imagined. So lots of plenty of, you know, videos and pictures and stories from actual players themselves told daily on there. Um, and it's that's what's made it real special because it's, it's one thing to have a group, and, you know, it's just kind of fans saying – you know, whoever, Jim and Joe, compared fights, whatever. But then when you get actual players in there and giving their two cents, it's really cool to see. And then, you know, they'll tell the occasional story or whatever and post it on there. So it's been awesome. We have plenty of players in there. It's a great, great place to sit back, relax, to watch fights. And, uh, you know, if somebody's being an asshole or whatever, you, you get the boot right away. No time for that bullshit. Uh, it's like, oh, he's a fucking dummy or a goon. Yeah, they're booted in two seconds. Um, not going to lose sleep over that, so... Uh, and then one last thing, uh, if you could please rate and review the show, it's supposed to help the show out a little bit as far as, uh, being found on, uh, like when you type in hockey podcast or something like that in Apple or, uh, whatever you're doing, it'll kind of help the show, I guess, come up over other ones that aren't rated, I guess is the best way to describe it. Basically, basically helps the show gain a little bit of popularity, I guess you could say. Um, and I, I, after, uh, the Pat Barton episode, I think it was, or maybe even the Kaminsky one. Um, I got a few reviews after that one. So, you know, again, thanks for the kind words and for those out there rating it. And like I said, you can give it five stars. You can give it one star. I've gotten both of them. <laughs> you can motherfuck me or just say that you like the show. It's awesome. You know, whatever. It doesn't have to be a long review. Like I said, the shortest and sweetest to the point review I got was, um, it's great. That was it. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, just rate and review the show. And it'll really help the podcast out from what I understand. So anyways, guys, we'll uh, hand it over to Brian Rasmussen and his awesome stories. And again, thank you to him for coming on to the show. And thank you, Dean Mayrand, for allowing me to uh, get in contact with him and kind of giving me a reference to, uh, you know, line everything up. And um, yeah, so anyways, we'll pass it over to him. Thank you so much, everybody. Here is Brian Rasmussen. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and here today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a guy who was referred to me by Dean the Machine Mayrand, formerly played in the LNH, who was also his teammate, and even, for those out there who might not even know what this league is, dabbled into the RHI, the Roller Hockey International League, for a split second. Uh, none other than Brian Rasmussen. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, well, I know we've been talking back and forth for, oh God, what seems like probably a month now, eh? Yeah, you've been you've been chasing me down. Uh, I've been cha- well, then I've been ducking you. Sometimes uh, I've been getting busy because, of course, yeah. we had the whole wedding thing to deal with, and uh, and now we yeah. got the coronavirus. And now we no, we we had to postpone it. We oh. just we did it till January. She's got time to run still. <laughs> okay, good yeah. for her. Yeah. Now that now yeah. the coronavirus has hit, we uh we got nothing else to do, so we got no excuses anymore. <laughs> good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good excuse for a while, but it'll eventually wear off, I guess. Eh? Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we'll start from the beginning, like I do with uh, all my guests. But well, before we get into your hockey career, I always like to ask, and uh, you know, I always like to see and see what the boys are up to now. So, what are you doing now? Before, uh, or excuse me, after hockey? Well, yeah, my my uh, my life's quite a bit different now. Um, I'm uh, I'm a financial advisor and investment and retirement planner, Royal Bank of Canada, the largest bank in Canada. Um, still working out, playing hockey, uh, dedicated Christian. I spend uh, time church volunteering and stuff and still get together with my hockey buddies when I can. And, um, I live in Toronto. It's a great city. It's on lockdown right now. It's pretty crazy. It's the fourth largest city in North America and there's absolutely nothing going on because the virus, which is, it's the way it has to be, but, uh, life's good up here. Still get on the ice a couple times a week. So it's a good place. Uh, Toronto is a good place for, uh, like the hockey hub of the world probably right so just even playing pickup hockey is always good those at a high level right absolutely well i'm sure hockey isn't isn't scarce up there in toronto like it is down here in florida yeah. to say the least <laughs> especially in the summer yeah in the summer all the pros come back and stuff i mean i don't, I don't play with them anymore but i skated with the nhl uh players you know years i was playing pro all summer and it was it was uh yeah it was great it's good experience Right on, man. Say, I was talking to Mike Bajerni before the show. Uh, you're probably familiar with him. He's a beauty. You should have oh, yeah. one. I, I told him I was on five for fighting. He said, that's a pussy name. It should be 17 for fighting. It should be a five, two, and a 10. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There you go. Or the L- yeah, the LNH case. So she, you know, just, yeah. what was it? Two fights in a Molson. So that's what we should have called it. <laughs> yeah, five's embarrassing. You need 17. I guess so, yeah. Jeez, well, if Bajerni's, you know, uh, Putting this, uh, putting the podcast name in the sewer. I might want to up my game then. Yeah. yeah. Oh shoot! No kidding. Yeah, man. But Journey would be awesome to come on. I know. I, I was, I was hype up his, uh, his brother's documentary, and of course, you. I'm sure you yeah. know it. Uh, old Les Chiefs there. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a beauty. He's a good guy. So I got a heart of gold. Good friends with him. He just moved down to Virginia uh, with work, and he's actually coming up to Toronto when he called me. But uh, we have cottages not far from each other, and we spend a bit of time in the summer. And he's a good guy, notorious goons. Yeah, no kidding. And, uh, I'll tell you the story about. I'll tell you about the story about how we met. But we'll get into. We'll, we'll take it step by step here. All right, we'll take it. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, now you got me. They got the gears turning into my head. Now I'm trying to see because I know he played. He, he played a couple years uh, in different pro leagues before even going to the QSPHL. So I'm curious to see what this happened. He actually went to Edmund, the Oilers training camp, and he actually uh, got the better of George the Rock. You know, this this would be like 28 years ago or something. But uh, he bounced around a bit, and then we uh, we played against each other in the Central League and the Western Professional Hockey League and the Colonial League, which is now the IHL, and then uh, ended up playing together and against each other in uh, in Quebec. Right on. Well, he followed you around yeah. a little bit then, Eric. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he couldn't get enough of me. I guess so. Um, well, you know, getting into the hockey side of things, man, so how did you kind of get into hockey? Of course, you were born in Ontario, so was it typical Canadian yeah. kid born on skates? Exactly. I started skating, I think, when I was four. My, my parents took me into skating lessons, 
and uh, I was pretty good at it and loved it. And uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't get the same winters here anymore, but we had a pond close by and I'd skate on there as often as I could and uh, started playing organized hockey, <laughs> if you want to call it organized, when I was uh, five. And uh, played house league for a couple of years on select and then single A and then triple A. All well, in uh, all in Thorn Hill, just north of Toronto. Nice, man. Well, you say it's barely organized, but it's probably more organized than the uh, <laughs> the beer league I'm running in <laughs> yeah. down here. So, um, well, so of course, you know, I always have Hockey DB pulled up uh, when I'm interviewing guys, to, so I can go over their stats and you know I have it readily available. But sometimes getting into their junior stuff, it's a little bit blurry sometimes. So, um, the yeah. the the league it oh. has you in is the uh, MWJHL, was is what it shows for your junior league. But did you have any junior hockey before that at all? I didn't know I was uh, I was on the Cornwall and the OHL wanted to draft me and they talked to me but I I didn't want to go there I, I wanted to try to get a scholarship uh, I wanted to go that route and uh, that summer I broke my uh, I broke my wrist and uh, I I couldn't play I, I almost did all the end of my career actually uh, it was in summer hockey they were, thought they were going to have to fuse my wrist together and I had a cast on for uh, three months. And uh, then I ended up playing, uh, I ended, ended up just playing uh, like juvenile hockey um, the rest of that season in Thorn Hill. And then I went to the University of Guelph. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that, that's one way to do so it. So I played at Guelph. Yeah, so I played at University of Guelph. We had a good team there. We were about third in the nation. And then while I was there, I also played um, the next season uh, there weren't. I don't know how it works now for scholarships, but I wasn't getting my uh, tuition paid, <laughs> so I got a few perks playing on the team. But the junior uh, junior A tier two team there, they uh, offered to pay my my uh, my tuition, so I played for them. And then halfway through the season, I got traded to Milton and Milton Merchants, and we went. Rick Bince was the coach, and we went to the Ontario Finals. Yeah, see, I, like, I, I'm looking now, and it doesn't even have that. It just shows your Guelph stats, so I wouldn't have even know that. So that's why I always like to ask that, because yeah, yeah, everything back then is all a little bit yeah. blurry. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I noticed, man, there's a bit, there's kind of a big gap. There's there's a gap in your job history here, um, as we'll say. Yeah. Um, so you, you didn't break into the UHL until, what, 97, 98 with Madison, it looks like. Um, yeah, I was 26. I was So I went to the University of Guelph. And uh, just played the, the one season there. Then played, like I said, played junior, and then um, didn't play. Didn't play the next couple of years in school. And then I took a year off to travel. And then I finished my degree at University of British Columbia, and did a little more traveling. And then I decided I want to play hockey again. And uh, I got an agent, and he got me a few games in Madison, Wisconsin that year. They had some injuries and needed uh, needed a made a couple fill-ins so I played uh kind of got a taste there and then the next season uh where was it Tulsa I don't even remember it's, it's been so long now it's yeah, been like it says, 22 it says, years it ago. says you went to Tulsa next yeah so I was in Tulsa and uh I can't remember the name the coach um but that was uh that was a good experience so uh I went through camp and uh you know I made the team I played well I was uh so I think most of your guests, maybe not your typical guests, I think you have a lot of heavyweights on there. I, I was a scrappy guy, and I got in you know, a fair number of fights, and uh, but I, I wasn't really a heavyweight. It's more middleweight. I did fight some heavies on the way. I could stand in there with them. But on uh, in teams like Tulsa and Memphis, I was kind of like I was kind of like the main guy. 
So I did, um, I was doing all right there. It was a good place to play. They get, uh, you know, about seven, 8,000 every night at the barn. And, uh, uh, it was, uh, kind of get my first taste of pro hockey. And I can't remember the, again, the name of the coach. His name was Rick something, but I remember we were playing, um, the Wichita Thunder. I think it's got a little heated on the ice. There was a little, a bit of a line brawl going on at the end of the game. And our coach and Brian Wells, coach of Wichita, they get on the ice and they started going toe to toe in their suits. <laughs> and, no kidding. And uh, yeah, it's just like they were they were jerseying each other with the suit jackets and his uppercuts. It was great. That that's like that almost happened just recently. I don't know if you saw the clip, but it was in the uh, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. The uh, well, it was the Federal Hockey League, but now they they made it a little bit more professional, I guess, this year with the prospects. Uh, addition to it yeah but yeah so um and it's funny enough one of the guys you know shout shout him out if he's listening hopefully is he says he listens to the podcast but nick wright was involved and he was literally going over and the coaches coaches bare-chested right there on the ice trying to brawl and the nick wright is trying to fight him it was an absolute gong show so (laughs) you basically that's good that's Good hockey right there. You basically had a little taste of the LNH while you were at it then because that's, that's some stuff straight out of there. Because I didn't – I wasn't much of a – you know, you playing university hockey and a tier two junior, you know, I got a few scraps, not, not you know, not too much. I was, you know, I was a, I was a physical player. Uh, I played physical. I hit a lot. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, you know, rough, rough and tough kind of guy, but wasn't a lot of fighting in junior and stuff. And then uh, I started uh, – I just started fighting when I got to Tulsa, and I was pretty good at it. So I just kept doing it. But I didn't really uh, – this was all kind of new to me. And uh, after that night, I thought, well, what am I getting myself into here? Right. And, uh, yeah, just buckled up and, and, <laughs> and went, went a few more years. And it was a good ride. <laughs> One question I got to ask before leaving Madison, um, and I just because I love it so much, but what, what did you think of those sweaters? Madison Monsters. Um, I don't even remember what they looked like. But really? I, you don't, how can you forget those? They were, they were so, ugly. Oh, they were white and purple with pinstripes. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, right. Oh man. Right. And then yeah. like, the numbers were like bright red, like didn't match the color scheme at all. I love the yeah. logo, but the jerseys are, well, I love the jerseys yeah. too, just because they're super ugly, but yeah, yeah. Man, those were, uh, <laughs> those were a sight to see a sight for sore. Yeah. There was a sure. lot of ugly jerseys. Oh, especially rolling around on there in the old the liners. Yeah. That's, I played with, I played with Corey Holland there, actually. That's where I first met him. Right, yeah. And I was actually going to ask you about him, too. Um, yeah, he's one of the guys that got me up to the Quebec League. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and Corey Holland, he was also in He was in that Les Chiefs documentary we just mentioned, too. So Yeah, um, he was. And I would have been I would have been in that documentary. I was roommates with Bajerni, and this is a whole other story I'll get to, but we lived in the arena. Yep. Okay, we went to Laval. We actually lived in the arena. They built an apartment for us in the marina, arena that was half-finished when we got there. And I was his roommate. He was, um, there was uh, about six of us there, and sort of me and Badge had our own sort of quarters there at the end. And uh, boy, was that a gong show! But he did. Uh, his brother's works in the film industry. His brother David. So he called him up and said, "You got to film this. This is um, this stuff's unbelievable." So, but I got traded to Jean Kier in the summer, and I didn't want to go there, so I went back to play in Austin, Texas. Right, you went up. You went so to I Austin. Let me see. I went to Austin and played down there. Oh, that's right with the ice bats. Yep. And you got I played me looking till now. Christmas. I think it's, it's all shoddy. I don't think all the stuff's on there. But I played. I played until Christmas, and then um, I came home for Christmas. I didn't want to go back, and I went out to Vancouver. 
Right, yeah, you went with St. Angelo uh, then. Yeah. Um, well, one, so you ended up in Tupelo in the uh, the old Whipple with the Western Professional Hockey Yeah. League. Well, after, um, I think from Tulsa, I went to, uh, before Tupelo, I went to Madison, or uh, sorry, uh, Utica. Um, the Mohawk Valley Prowlers with Dave the Hammer Schultz. What was that like, you know, being coached by him? Because oh. he was actually the coach of the Monsters at one point, too, but now he's uh, coaching Mohawk yeah, Valley. Yeah, he was. Yeah, boy, he, boy, is he ever a piece of work. He is, he, like, this guy, like, he, he's the kind of guy, like, I, I don't know how he's doing now. Actually, sadly, I his, his, uh, heard his granddaughter died, uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he's the kind of guy that will never properly fit into society. Like, he's just an absolute wreck. Like, he just still thinks, he still thinks he's playing in the 70s. Like he he was he couldn't run a practice. He'd be firing pucks at guys. He'd be putting guys in the penalty box. He'd be on the bus. He'd be on the bus. He he he'd be like bear hugging his his crown crown royal. He'd be getting uh, getting hammered on the bus all the time. One night he beat up our chiropractor. Uh, he wanted to fight. He wanted to fight me one day because he thought I was stealing tea towels from the from the bathroom. Uh, oh my was, god! Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was it was interesting. So what was, interesting. what was he like during the games? Just a mess. Just screaming. He'd have one foot up on the bench. He'd be slapping guys. He'd be like smashing sticks. Just screaming. I, I can't imagine what his blood pressure was like. I'm surprised <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> oh man! So like the 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 hammer was not out of him at all at this point. The hammer was no. The hammer was still still full throttle. Very yeah, very much still, there. It was laying laying throttle. it down. Everybody. Every every staff member was afraid of him, right? And uh, just snapping sticks all the time, and did, he really didn't know how to coach. She just she just knew he's again. He thought he was still in the Flyers in '79, and uh, he'd refer to players like that half the guys had never heard of, except for Bobby Orr, and uh, he'd get tossed from games all the time. He'd have to be restrained from the refs and try to get on the ice and. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Sean Evans was uh, like a player coach. He was a good player. He played in the American League, and he actually kind of ran the teams. And thank goodness he was there because it uh, would have been a disaster. But we actually had a pretty good team. Serge Robert was there, and uh, he was uh, – I think, I think he played in the show, but he was pretty tough. Him and his, his brother, was they were, they were both pretty tough. And uh, that's when I started, started fighting a lot more too. And so other than the tea towel incident, uh, Schultze liked me. Because uh, you know I played a physical game, like I said, and I uh, got quite a few scraps. Um, so we got along well, and then uh, it must probably probably the tea towel incident. I think he just he just didn't want me on the team anymore. <laughs> so uh, that was that was about it. So that was uh, right after Christmas, I think, and then I went down to Tupelo, Tupelo, oh, Mississippi, okay. and that's in the Western Professional League. Right. And what I want people to think about real quick, too, is just picture this. So you just heard, obviously, uh, Brian talk about how crazy the hammer was behind the bench. The year he was coaching in Madison, and I just, I just for whatever reason, I know this off the top of my head. I don't know why, just because I remember stupid stuff like this. But they also had Link Gates that year. So I could only imagine that oh. team. I, like, I could well, only Link, imagine it. Yeah. Link progressively got worse and worse, like to, harder and harder to handle. Some teams were... Were signed, they would sign his mother to a contract to try to keep him under control. Like that's how bad it was. But what do you kept, mean sign his mother? What he, like what do you what do you like? They would pay his mother money too. They pay his mother to, to live with him to try to keep him under control. 
Oh my God! So I don't know. I don't know if that was the case in Madison, but I know that was the case somewhere in some places where he played. Holy cow! I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, That's insane. In a, in a few links, link stories, but but yeah, any every link story is a beauty. But uh, yeah, him and I'm sure I'm sure him and Schultz probably went toe to toe a couple of times. Oh, I guarantee it. And I'm sure Schultz, Schultz either probably loved him because, you know, it's just Link Gates and he was just as crazy as him where, they, like you said, they were both just tarps off throwing oh, down yeah. all the time. <laughs> I'm sure it was a love-hate relationship. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. Those two guys were, were cut from the same cloth. So, <laughs> uh, What was yeah. it like playing with Serge Robert's, though? It was good. He was popular. He was, uh, he was, you know, he was still pretty much in his prime. When he got to Quebec, he was, uh, you know, the down, downturn of his, his uh his career when we played against them there, but it was great. He was a, was a fan favorite. Um, everyone loved him. He was tough. He was one of the toughest guys in the league. Scrapped just about every game. Beat a lot of guys up. Uh, had a lot of respect. Uh, he and I got along really well, and uh, he was a good man. Right on. Well, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, him and him and his brother, man. That's one of like the toughest brother duos of all time in hockey. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I, I started dating this girl named BK Foster in in, uh, in Utica. And she'd never been to a hockey game in her life, didn't know anything about hockey. And, and she came out, and she sat like two rows behind the bench. She saw Schultz in action and everything else. And she, I saw her after the game. She goes, you guys are so barbaric. Oh. And then about two weeks later, she was she was, she was back there. I could hear her screaming for blood. Oh, that's how it is, yep. <laughs> she got converted. Uh-huh. <laughs> brought her over to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um well, so after Mohawk Valley, man, you, you ended up in – well, actually, I take that back. Before leaving the old WPHL, um, which I know you end up back there again, but I think you got your big taste of it with, with uh, Tupelo because you played 21 games. What was that league like? Because I've heard there's so there's such limited footage out there of that league. And well, the, basically the, the league, way it's, I mean, What's that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, basically, it's like uh, – the way it's been described to me, it was almost as crazy as the LNH before – anybody knew what the LNH was well it was a little the leagues were all about the same really when you you go guys are you know the the, the coast has probably got some better higher end players but all the leagues are about the same and back then I mean this is before the rule changes which is why podcasts like this exist a lot of disgruntled hockey fans have missed the old days but um yeah it was it was it was some pretty crazy stuff um Nothing like Quebec, though. I didn't. I thought I'd seen everything until I got Quebec to Quebec. But <laughs> um, it was still like guys still kind of followed the rules, you know. Like kind of anything, anything went, you know. Everything was fair game in Quebec. But um, we had um, we had uh, our. I'm just trying to think. We had our you know, share of uh, you know line brawls, and I, we never had a bench clear. I was never involved in a bench clearing brawl. Uh, until Quebec, and then I was in like seven. I was going to say, I was about to say, um, even in Quebec, <laughs> like, like, like two a year, two or three a year. Um, but um, it was tough. It was tough hockey, you know. It was tough, and the old rules, um, you know, you could hook and grab and elbow and punch, and you know, you pay the price in front of the net, and uh, it was a grind. You know, you'd, you'd play. Some nights we play three, four nights in a row in three or four different cities and you pack up and you get stitched up, you pack up the bus, you, you know, you sleep on the bus, you drive all night and then you get to the next city and you unpack and you, you have a nap and you go have a pregame skate and then you go for lunch and then have another nap and away you go and you keep doing it. So it was a grind. What was, uh, what was that like, man? Do you have any crazy bus stories as far as like, you know, breaking down on the side of the road or something like that? Cause I know I in actually, the miners, uh, it was a grind. 
Well, I, I do actually, uh, I got a couple of bus stories. Uh, we were, uh, this actually goes back to Utica. We were, we were uh, coming back on like a two or three week road trip. And um, we stopped in Chicago and uh, we were just all kind of wearing our sweats, right? And uh, the end of a road trip. And so we had, we had, we had a couple of days off, a few days in between games. So Chelsea's just like, he wanted to go out, he wanted to have a few drinks. So uh, we stopped and uh, me and, me and my buddy, we went to uh, went to try to get into this club, and I was wearing my track pants, right? And they wouldn't let me in, so I went back, and my my lug was was right right in the back, underneath. So I just I was kind of kidding. I said to the bus driver, "Hey, I need your pants." So uh, he just stood up and took them off and gave them to me. <laughs> no, sh- no shit. So I, yeah, so I wore his <laughs> pants. They're a little tight. Could, I couldn't do up the button or the zipper all the way, and they're a little short. But um, they worked. He didn't, I offered him mine. He, he didn't want to put mine on. So anyways, he just rolled, he, uh, we went out for that night, we got back to the bus, I just wore his pants the rest of the time, and he just drove in his underwear. Oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, we, uh, when I was in, um, when I was in, uh, let's see, where was I? I'm just trying to keep it all straight. When I was in Memphis, we lost a tire, and that was kind of terrifying. Like while um, you were driving? While we were driving. Oh man. Tire flew off and uh, just kind of went off into the darkness. Um, but we were okay. We don't know if, how many people were killed. But uh, I do have a story. When I played in Fayetteville, um, North Carolina, uh, Dave Latta was the coach. No, that was Dave Lorai. Dave Latta was two below. Dave Lorai. Dave Lorai is a bit of a dick. Um, he was a good coach, good X's and O's, but he was, yeah, he was, he was a little crusty. So, Anyways, when we'd, uh, whenever we lost, we'd actually have curfew on the bus. So we may not, we not playing for three days. We're just driving home. He'd actually like lights out by 11, right? So, um, and he'd take up the whole back of the bus. It was a sleeper bus. We'd be kind of crammed in. He'd take up the whole back. He'd have like a king size bed at the back. And he was just, it was just annoying. So anyways, me and, uh, the leading scorer, uh, Mark Sandromano, I believe his name is. We uh, we we kept we stayed up and we were drinking. We were, we were just just kept drinking. We were putting shaving cream on guys. We're being stupid. And then uh, I open up a cupboard and there's uh, there's Lori's suit. So I open up the hatch, right? Yeah. And I grab the tie and just kind of put it up there and it sucked out. <laughs> tie goes out. Grab the jacket. Out goes the jacket. The pants. The shirt. Everything's gone. On the highway. Did, did, what did he do? So I threw a suit off the bus. So, well, we, we just went to bed. We were killing ourselves laughing. So we went to bed. And uh, the next morning, uh, whatever, we woke up. And we were all hungover. And we were, we were back home. And we're, we're unpacking everything. He comes up and goes, where the hell is my suit? And uh, I don't know. You must have left in the hotel, coach. You better call him. And uh, he, he never really, never really figured out. He, he knew something happened to him. He never really figured it out. <laughs> well, you know, your players love you when they throw your suit out. <laughs> yeah, that was something. Oh man, that's great. Uh, and you know, one more question, real quick, for the uh, for the as far as the WPHL goes. Well, as far as the ninety eight, ninety nine season, and I got to ask because. Uh, He's a guy I've kind of, you know, slowly become, I guess, internet friends, like pen, <laughs> mini pen pals. Um, 
uh, absolute beauty, and actually he helped the Enforcer group grow like beyond belief uh, when it was in its early stages, like it, uh, not like it is now. But um, one guy I got to ask you about is Todd Scrooby St. Louis. Did you ever have any run-ins with him or play against him at all in the, uh, I, the uh, WPHL? I I did. I can't I can't really remember though. I did. I don't think I ever fought him or anything, but I do remember him. Uh, I certainly remember the name, and I recognize him when I see him on Facebook. But I don't. I, I'd have to piece it together. I don't remember. Uh, I know he was well known, but I didn't. I never personally had any runs with him. No. Okay, I just well, I'm just double checking yeah. this roster that he was on too, because he was in Arkansas at that time. Um, and so some yeah, guys you might would've... yeah you might know from there would be like Mel and Chuck and Jason well, Rushton, who you probably saw later in the L N H, of course. Yeah, I fought Jason Rushton in the L N H. Yeah, and uh, name some other guys. Uh, we got Frank Littlejohn. That's uh, he was he did it forever, man. I don't think he retired yeah. until like a f- couple of years back. Yeah, actually, like, he played two games <laughs> last year, or excuse me, 2018, 2019, wow. Looking at that now, yeah. And then they had Kimball at the time too, Darren Kimball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's a tough team. Yeah. I'm looking through this roster that's now, man. Holy cow! Pretty tough team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, well, you know, continuing on, so you get to Memphis, man. What was it like playing in Memphis? Memphis. Um, it's the most fun. It's it's kind of a dumpy city. It's the most fun I ever had playing in Memphis. Um, we had a terrible team. We were a last place team. I'll blame it on the coach. I won't tell you who it is, but I, that's what I would just say. Every, but it's okay, boys. We just got out coached. But uh, great group of guys, um, and just had a lot of fun despite the fact we were, we had like record losing streaks. Um, and, uh, I did a lot, started doing a lot of more, a lot more fighting there. I was kind of the guy there and, um, had my car stolen. Um, <laughs> love it. So, so the, the, the arena was right in the ghetto, right? Like we kind of lived in the outskirts and we had oh, a drive yeah, right through the some ghetto. There's some bad parts of Memphis. So there's some rough parts of Memphis. So we lived right in the ghetto. So, when we'd go on road trips, we'd have to leave our cars in a secured pound, right? With like, like barbed wire fencing and, you know, security cameras and security guards and everything. So we park and we go on the bus. And, uh, I think that was the, I think, uh, I got another story about that trip, but anyways, we, we, we came back and, uh, you know, everyone just, you know, goes through the gate to get their car and mine's just not there. And, uh, I, Asked the guy with the gold teeth, where's my car? He's like, I don't know where your car is, man. And uh, it was just gone. So it must have been an inside job. I'm not sure why anyone wanted a Caprice Classic. But <laughs> uh, sweet ride. that was it. And I just gotten it fixed because about a week earlier, came back from a road trip. And I was with my roommate, Kelly Von Hilton, and we drove to the arena together. And uh, we came back, we drove in his car, and we came back, and I was looking, and beside my car, a median was all, like, the a grass median was all, like, ripped up, and this little sapling had been broken. And I look at my car, and there's a, like, the door's all bent in. So we lived in this condo complex, and I go to my office, I said, I said, I think somebody in my car, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's, his actual name was Billy Bob. And so this guy, Billy Bob, came out in overalls. Uh, they they called him. He came down. He was trying to tell me he was driving in his truck and the tire rod broke. And he flipped his truck over. And he slid into the side of my door. So uh, we went door shopping. He just and uh, he bought me a new door. So uh, got it painted. So I just had it fixed. And a week later, I had my car stolen. Well, that's 
Glad you went through all that trouble to get it fixed. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. And uh, our uh, our mascot, so River Thing was our mascot, and uh, he went outside. Uh, he went outside between periods one game to have a smoke, and he got jumped. And he <laughs> he got pummeled. He came back. <laughs> Remember after the game, because like, we're looking for him, because he's like, you know, in the stands, and he comes on the ice, whatever. He wasn't wasn't out for the third period. I was joking. He's like, he must have pulled his groin or something. And then uh, we go in the room, and none of the players are hurt, but there's uh, River Thing icing his head. He had, like, he got he got a bad, like, he got it. He was a <laughs> yeah, black guy. He had, you need to get zippers. He was, uh, he was in brush shape. <laughs> Your mascot got dummied. That's terrible. <laughs> I should have been yeah. laughing, but, man, that's that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. River <laughs> Thing was the only one that was hurt. Oh man, poor poor guy, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot. And that was, uh, I think that the, the the one where I got my uh, when we came back when I got my car stolen, the bus driver showed up, and I took a look at this guy and I said, this guy looks like he's got about fifteen minutes to live. It looked like his glasses were taped together, like his face is all red. He's hyperventilating. He's sweating. He's got this beer belly. He couldn't do his shirt up. I'm like, this guy's going to drive for us for like a, like the next 10 days. So we were, uh, about halfway through the, I guess, halfway through the road trip. Um, like he just kept looking worse and worse and I couldn't sleep and he was driving one night and he's, he just kind of pulls over and goes, I can't, I can't keep going. And, and I just, I kind of was kidding and said, I'll drive. He goes, he goes okay. <laughs> he just gets up and he, uh, he just kind of crawls in my bunk and he just gives me the wheel. So away we went. So I just started driving. <laughs> So I started driving the bus, and then the coach woke up. He looks over, and there's the bus driver beside him sleeping. Right? Yep. <laughs> so he's kind of he's like, who the hell is driving? So, uh, yeah, I was driving, and then everyone kind of woke up and started laughing. And I got on the PA system, and I was pretending I was giving a bus tour. And uh, then, uh, yeah, I had to pull over, and the bus driver had to drive again. <laughs> I'm sure the coach was real happy you were driving the bus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Got to love life in minor league hockey, man. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, people, and this is, you know, it's funny because this is just you and I talking. I can only imagine the stories everybody else has through minor league hockey. Like, people don't realize how, uh, you know, how much yeah. of a gong show it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's remarkable, actually. When I get together with my buddies, we we, we trade all the war stories it, it's amazing um some of the stuff we saw and some of the stuff we lived through and it was it was a great experience it's uh you know you kind of playing in the minors like for for a number of years like that you kind of put your life on hold in ways but it's 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 an experience you know you can't recreate anywhere else and uh so no regrets it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and again life's so different now it's funny looking back though Right, yeah, of course. You you do all, well. You're driving the team bus. Your mascot's getting jumped. You got coaches wanting to fight you, and now you're living a normal life, <laughs> doing finances. Yeah. It's just kind of how it goes, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, man, you know, going on fighters, here. Bro. The next year, uh, you you ended up. Well, oh, go but, ahead. No, I'm just thinking. Uh, so when I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, so um, that was. Uh, I think that was a year before I was in Memphis. Just uh, a couple things popped in my mind. We had a guy show up. So I mean, we're talking, we're talking like deep South rednecks here. Okay? Oh yeah. Oh, I know. Like, the, I know the type. <laughs> like hardcore. Oh, okay. So we had a guy show up 
His name was Dmitry Ustajan. I actually saw him last year. He played in the Russian Elite League. He was an excellent hockey player. Never been to North America. Never been out, outside of Europe. And the first place he lands is in Tupelo. Oh. So you talk about culture shock. Okay? No kidding. He could barely speak English. So one of the, you know, the, you know, the booster club, so some of the fans may not know, so they're uh, people listening. So a booster club is like a group of organized fans that are they're kind of really crazy about the team. They kind of care more about the team than the players do. And uh, really hardcore. So... Ed Abernathy was this this nice uh, nice man. Um, he had the bib overalls too. Him and Dimitri became best buddies, and uh, it was it was quite it was, it was quite. It, Dimitri was actually my roommate on the road, and I was trying to help teach English. But Ed was just just the biggest hick, and Ed would ask him questions like, "You ever seen a cat? And <laughs> like, what, what what's it like to be finally free?" And this was like year 2000 right right and uh, he didn't want him he didn't want him using his computer at his house because he thought well the 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 uh prime minister what is it uh prime minister of russia they were president or prime minister oh i don't know uh um was boris yeltsin but he, he called him boris nelson because he didn't want dimitri using his computer in case his emails would get intercepted by the russians oh god so uh, and uh he actually taught uh, dimitri how to ride a horse Bareback, and first time Dimitri got on the horse, he just uh, Ed whacked it, and it just went, it just went ripping out of the stable. And Dimitri was hanging on, screaming for his life. <laughs> horse is ripping around. He's Dimitri's in his Russian pinstripe pants. It was, it was something. Those two, those two being best buddies, <laughs> they'd go fishing, they'd go like golfing. Ed, Ed, like Ed had picked Dimitri up on days off, and they'd uh, Ed to drive him around in his pickup truck. And they they go golf and had to get he'd just get absolutely smashed. And Dimitri'd have to drive home, and I don't think he'd ever, I don't think he'd ever driven a car in North America. I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of difference, but he didn't seem to know what he was doing. And he'd go fishing, and Ed would pass out, and and his uh, it was an interesting friendship. But uh, <laughs> no kidding. But uh, yeah, he's uh, we're still buddies. We're still in touch. He's, he's over in Russia. He's doing well. He's running the hockey school. He knows all the all the all the Russian hockey stars. If she came over last winter um, for uh, some elite uh, hockey training to Toronto, and we hooked up, and it was nice to see him. We have, so we're going to try to track down Ed Abernathy. And uh, we uh, another time in Tupelo, we uh, we had a I'm trying to remember the name of the city. I don't think it was San Angelo, but it was somewhere in Texas. And we had like five days between games, so we had a road trip. So we had we had we had a lot of time on our hands. So it was just kind of boys you know we'd have a go through a practice then boys just you know just partying the rest of the time and uh we uh when it finally came time to uh finally came time to leave from the next town um we couldn't find our coach the next morning and uh you know it's, it's pretty strict playing playing pro hockey it's almost like being in the military like you can't be late you get fined like if you're you know if you're late too often you just get you know they, they just they just cut you right right like it's just it's just not tolerated um, you know, you got to be early and you got to have a good attitude and, and uh, you know, it's a job and as much fun as we have, it's as crazy it is, it's a job. And, uh, you know, you, there's no guaranteed contracts, your job's on the line all the time. So you got to perform. So coach didn't show up. And, uh, one guy gets and goes, yeah, I saw him squaring off at the bouncers last night. And, uh, what came of it? No, nobody knew. So we didn't know where he was. So we actually had to go to the next city without him. And, uh, oh, he, uh, he, he caught up with us. And I think he spent the night in the slammer, and he didn't really want to tell us. But uh, 
I won't tell you who it was, but anyways, um, we found him, and the and the road trip continued. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, that's great. Um, again, gotta love minor league hockey. <laughs> um, yeah. So the next year after Memphis, you you end up in this wonderful league that. Um, yeah. That, of course, I did the special, the two-part special on. I had some boys on from the league, had some fans of the league on. Uh, and it's none other than, well, at the time, it was the QSPHL. So it's the Quebec Senior Pro Hockey League, or Semi-Pro yeah. Hockey League, or technically it's the Senior League. And you end up there. When you get there, are you just thinking, like, the first game you see, like, where the hell am I and what am I doing I gotta, I got to tell you, first of all, I get introduced to Mike Majority. And he's a really nice guy. He's a big man. And uh, they're, uh, they're saying, yeah, they, they put us up at a hotel. They're, uh, Bob Berger was the, the GM there. And he's, you know, speaking of broken English, we put you in a hotel, and then we got a place for you. And I think, okay, they're going to have a condo for us. And then uh, they introduce us to the arena. So um, we actually, they actually built, in the Laval Colisee, they built uh, an apartment in the arena. And... Yeah, Badge and I, we had our own entrance there, and we had, but it was like half finished. But it was like we 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 we'd be in there, and there'd be games going on at night. We'd be booing the kids, and there'd be broom ball in the morning waking us up, and there'd be construction going on. It was, <laughs> it was so ridiculous living in the arena. But we had some pretty good parties in there because we'd have, uh, we'd, uh, yeah, we just had the rink to ourselves at night, and we just bring some people over and get in the DJ booth and and have some fun. <laughs> But so that was uh, you. Hold on, sorry. You booed the kids that would play on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not very nice. Either, but, <laughs> no, yeah. that's, I would have done the same well, thing. As bad as that sounds, that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> they couldn't see us, so I think it's okay. <laughs> you were booing, booing the poor little French kids on the ice. It's good for them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Builds character, kid. Life builds character. Life lessons. Well, if you're gonna make it to the NHL, you're gonna get booed. So get used to it now, eh? <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you about my my first shift. So yep. I'm, uh, I start on D, um, the starting lineup and, uh, the puck, I, I, uh, I can't remember the names. I wrote the name down. I can't remember, but I word some obscure, it might've been Tet for Bind or something. That's some obscure French village and, uh, full of asbestos and the puck <laughs> is dumped into my corner. And again, the old rules, like you could kind of hook, hook guys and kind of hold them up for your D partner. So he wouldn't get crushed. Right. Well, I look over my shoulder and all three forwards are charging straight at me. All three of them. Like, <laughs> and my teammates are trying to catch them and the pucks like on up, on up on its end in the corner. Like, I'm just going to get creamed. So I get the puck. And I just kind of rip it around. All three guys take a run at me. Just, I just get smashed. And, uh, Francois Paget, that was his name. Yeah, he was actually a pretty good guy, but he he uh, he got me pretty good in the face, and uh, the puck went over. I kept it in one to the other side, and then uh, I got the puck again. I mean, that was passed, and he elbowed me right in the face, and then I cross checked him in the head as hard as I could, and then we got going. We got into a fight. It was a decent fight. I think a line brawl broke out, and uh, this is my first shift in the league. Okay, <laughs> and then I'm in the penalty box. And the fans are leaning over the glass. They're pouring beer on me. They're laughing at me. They're yelling at me. And I'm like, you, I'm like, you guys live here. Like after the game, I get to go home. You guys have to live here. And we're going back and forth. And as I got my helmet off, cause I'm, I think I'm already cut from the fight from the elbow. 
my nose is already bleeding. And as I'm yapping at him, the puck gets shot over the glass and hits me right in the face. Oh. Right in the face. <laughs> Needed six stitches. Fans just burst out laughing. Oh, I was about to say, I'm sure they were just all. giving it to you. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. That was my very first shift. What it, What have I gotten myself into? Like, what, what is this? Well, yeah, I was going to ask. So you're in the box and... <sighs> Though that was your first shift beforehand, did you have like the three or four like fights already happened before that? No, a lot of games that would happen, and uh, they. Uh, it was funny because the 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 arena the the arena DJ would put on like the the gong, like the death gong. Yeah, and uh, guys would, yeah, the, I mean the uh, the starting team gets, to, sorry, the home team gets to put uh, their starting lineup first. So if they put out their tough guys and the visiting team put out their tough guys, a lot of guys are just kind of, they kind of talk about the room, who they're going to, who they're going to take, who they want. It wouldn't always work out that way. Cause some, sometimes other guys on the other team want to go after somebody else, but guys are just kind of, it was almost, there's like a lot of anger, but it's almost kind of civil. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. And it was just, it all just one after the other. Sometimes all five of them go at the same time. Sometimes it'd be, you know, five consecutive fights. One would go, then the next, then the next, next. You'd, you'd get three, four, five fights in the first 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Just, Welcome just to the start, Quebec League. Start the game. Just send a message. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. you had some you had some characters on that team too, man. You had uh, we had Mike Henderson, who was also, he was featured in that, uh, that Les Chiefs documentary as well. What was yeah, like he was in there. He was a good fighter. I, I actually eye gouged him. I played against him when I was in Utica. And he was somewhere, and we got in a fight, and I eye gouged him pretty bad. Um, but he was uh, he was a pretty tough guy. We had uh, uh, well, uh, Journey, uh, I don't remember. You had Corey oh, Holland that year. That was the year you had Holland there. Corey Holland was there. Um, before I, I played with Pat Cote the last time I was on Laval. He was he was the scariest man in the league. Um. But yeah, there's no shortage. Every every team had five or six heavyweights, like right. every team. Like they just teams that they would recruit from around around North America. Like it doesn't matter where. Like you know, senior leagues in Saskatchewan, East Coast League, American League, former NHLers. Doesn't matter. They they pay them. They pay them well. Guys made a lot of money. The hockey was actually really good. The hockey's comparable to the East Coast League. A lot of players may not realize that. A lot of people may not realize that. Because the players were paid so well, because it was all cash. I mean, it was the, the league is run by criminals, <laughs> right. right? Like, you look up at the stands, and Hell's Angels on half, half of one side, and the police are half the other, and uh, all the owners were criminals, and they just all wanted to have the best, toughest teams. So they'd be paying these guys into the table. These guys were making crazy money. So they, they'd fly guys in for certain games, and they'd, they'd advertise it, and they'd be, they'd be hyping it up on the radio, and on the internet, who's going to get who and all this kind of stuff. And then they, they'd actually just bring guys in. They, they give guys a few grand just to come in. Like I know Glenn Featherstone, I can't remember a bunch of NHLers. They just, they just brought him out there. They gave him a few grand. He just jumped some guys and warm up and fight a couple of times. His first, first couple of shifts and put on a big show. And it was a big, it was almost like a promo, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but the hockey was really good, actually, because you know the top couple of lines, your top six were, were really good, really good players. But there's every team, every team had five or six heavyweights. Oh, they yeah. wouldn't always always be in the lineup because uh, there's inevitably be suspensions. But uh, you, sometimes you look you look at the game. I remember looking at some game sheets before when I was new to the league, and this was like around Christmas, and guys already have over 300 minutes. Like, who are these guys? <laughs> I went to play one team and they had three players that had over 300 minutes, like a couple of weeks before Christmas. 
Like, like <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. It's insane. Like, man. The, the league was yeah. unreal. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't think you. I don't think he was there when you uh, when you were playing with Laval. But uh, I just want to ask, just in case. But did you uh, did you play with old Tim Levesque at all? I did not play with Tim Levesque. Shame. I actually just added him as a friend on Facebook last night. I did too. <laughs> his Facebook, I mean, unfortunately, his Facebook he, profile is the funniest I've ever seen. It is. It's the. It's. it's I fantastic. highly recommend everyone checking it out. He's also got a YouTube channel. You can go check it out. And unfortunately, he can't come on the podcast. I, and I tried. To, I wanted to get him on because I would love to have court? him on as a guest. But it's a, yeah, it's his court. And he's got he's got a peace bonds up there in Canada, so he can't talk okay. about any violence or anything like that. I was actually going to make a joke about that, but it's actually true. Okay, it is. Yeah, it, no, it is. That's oh exactly my! Why you can't. Um, okay. So, uh, but he's he's like you know I'm, he's like but we're Facebook friends, so I welcome that. I was like you know what? Thanks, Tim. I'll take that. Yeah. The, fa- the fact yeah. that the, it, it was funny because weird. Yeah, it is. People were asking in the group like, um, like oh, I'd post a couple less Chiefs things or uh, Laval Chiefs and. Uh, people would be like, you know, oh, does anybody know where Tim Levesque is? And oh no, I don't yeah. know, I don't know. And then out of nowhere, he pops up on the group and he just starts posting pictures. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, that's like him and him and Link Gates will be two guys for the next thirty years. Everyone, like, everyone will be like, where are they now? We're, like, what could they possibly be doing? Right, and well, you know? it's funny because someone in the group knows Link Gates too, and I'd love to get him on. That'd be, I mean, that would have to be I, like a seventeen part saga, of course. But <laughs> yeah, I. If someone could ever write a write a biography on him, they would be a bestseller. Oh God, a hundred percent, and like no yeah. no questions asked. Um, yeah. So you played eleven games there in Laval. Did you like? Was it? What's okay. up? Oh, I was going to say, did were you just kind of like, I need to get the hell out of here? Like, let me let me go play a little hockey again. I think it was more than that because I played from Christmas on. But, oh, uh, and hockey DB only has you down as eleven games. Yeah. So that's that's what I, I just played, go off. I, think, I know anything's inaccurate on here. I, yeah, no, I played I played half the seasons because um, I got there at Christmas. Oh, so you probably got like and twenty played, something games in there, eh? Yeah, I probably got about. I, I yeah. Um, no, I you know I I started to embrace it. I was like at first, you know, I was kind of like guys dancing in the penalty box and and you know. Uh, just all the antics. I mean, I almost got hit with a garbage can once, skating up the ice. And you and, got your owner, Bob Berger, who wants to fight too. <laughs> yeah, Bob Berger, yeah, owners trying to fight each other and fights in the stands and just just the mayhem. And it's like, first, first I, you know, I was like, is this, like, where are the cameras? Like, this, this is crazy. But then I just kind of embraced it. I said, this is just the way it is here. I guess it was just Quebec hockey, Quebec culture. It was good hockey, and I embraced it, and I, I enjoyed it. And uh, it was crazy. It was crazy on the ice. It was crazy off the ice. It was crazy in the room. It's crazy. Like, it, was just, it was just mayhem all the time. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, yeah. So y- you go on the next year, and you end up in Monroe with the Moccasins back in the Whipple. Um, what made you sign there? Or you could have ended up with got- Austin, excuse me, because they, they, don't, they or, don't timeline it. Yeah, I think it's uh, – yeah. Uh, I got traded from Laval to like Jean Kier, which is like near Labrador. So I didn't want to go there. So uh, I just refused to go. And then I just, it might've been San Angelo or Monroe or Austin. Uh, I haven't checked it out. I haven't checked out my own DB in a while, but I think a lot of it's not on there. <laughs> it says but, Monroe uh, and I, then that, Austin. That's why I went it's... back down. That's yeah. why I went back down. It's, actually, it's a shame I did because that's the year they did the documentary. and I would have been all over because I would have been rooting with Badge again. 
that would have been a blast. You could have been huge. You could have been famous. And I could have met Tim Levesque. <laughs> oh, Tim Levesque. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, as funny as it sounds, I'll mess with my fiance and I'll start kind of talking like Tim Levesque, kind of how he draws his things <laughs> out and kind of talks a little yeah. bit like this and, you know, and kind of yeah, yeah. kind of like this. <laughs> She'll just be yeah. like, what the hell are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, where's your helper? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, I'm glad to see Tim doing well, though, you know? It's, uh, it's funny because yeah, it was like good. a mystery. It was an absolute mystery where he was. Yeah, no, it's, I, I don't know if anyone actually knows where he is. We just know he's alive. Well, we know he's alive and, on well uh, on Facebook, at least. He's on Facebook. But but other things, too, um, in the league, like uh, you go to certain arenas and uh, they would just turn the hot water off for the visiting team. Oh, just or little things put, to, like, to screw with you. They, they, they'd cut the bench. They'd actually physically cut the bench. So yep. the bench would be like, Six feet short, so yeah, like three or four guys up to stand the whole game. <laughs> and that's like that. that's, all, put, that's all in the uh, the Quebec League, right? It's all in Quebec League. They, I remember they put oil on the, the the benches in the dressing room, and guys like wearing like you know nice pants and stuff, and got them ruined. And, and they wouldn't let players like parents in the game and opposing arenas, like people that they, they drive in from you know from somewhere in Ontario to see their watch their son play and they wouldn't let him in the rink. And yeah. <laughs> it Brutal. Just, just stupid. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, only, only in the Quebec league, honestly. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so I guess, well, so well, you'll go ahead. Yeah. So I, I went back down and played in the States and then, um, I uh, I left at Christmas. I just didn't want to play down there anymore. And I left, and I actually went out to Vancouver and I uh, started working. Uh, I was personal training. I started doing that there, and I just kind of thought I was thought I was done. And then I got a call to come back to Quebec, and that was when I ended up in Saint Jean. Oh, see, I don't even have Saint Jean on here. It goes straight to Sorel. I think it's the Royo. I think that's how you say it with my yeah, lovely French pronunciation. No, I played St. John for a bit, and the, the biggest clown I've ever met in my life, Tony Charcillo, was the GM there. This guy, you talk about Italian mafia. This guy, like, he'd carry, walk around with a briefcase. With, uh, he had the, the Italian accent, the French-Italian accent kind of thing. Just an absolute greaseball. <laughs> and uh, he put me and... and uh, Paul Vincent and oh, Chris uh, uh, Swinson and Jordan Roach in a house. And it was an absolute gong show in that house. And we were there. I don't think we lasted a month. And I remember Tony showed up once. And uh, he showed up once. And, like, it was just... <laughs> It was like we're all grown men there. I remember like the hose, the hose was on like full running down the driveway, right? <laughs> Water's running down the driveway. And he comes like, "How long has the hose been on?" I was like, "I don't know, about two weeks." And he's ah, and uh, we had uh, we had so many parties there. And uh, Roach, Jordan Roach was a big native guy. He was a big fighter. And Paul Vincent and uh, West West Winston. That's they were both very good players. And um, we had a party there one night. The house got trashed. And they just traded all of us. They just got rid of all of us. <laughs> Actually, they all of us cleaned boom, house. Just gone. Yep, cleaned house. Gone. <laughs> and the neighbors were very thankful. It was a night, really nice house in a nice neighborhood. And we're, we're grown men. We're just just absolute, absolute gong show. <laughs> so, uh, 
actually, the funny thing is, is, is Tony owed me. Tony owed me uh, a couple weeks' pay. And he said, yeah, yeah, you'll get your money. Don't worry, you'll get your money. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those guys, right? So, so he, uh, he, I kept calling him. He would never call. He would call me when he knew I was at practice. It's the only time he would ever call me. Because, like, oh, you don't answer. I guess you don't want your money. So I, I finally got a home. Tony, you're going to pay me or not? And he just basically said he wasn't going to pay me. So we had moved out of that house. And no one else had moved in. So I drove there. I don't know if I should be actually should be saying this, but actually I drove there one night and I broke into the basement and I took the TV and <laughs> I took a couple of things out of there, which would equal what my pay was uh, TV stereo, took that, put it in my car and left town and called it even. <laughs> there you go. An eye and for an eye. <laughs> Tony, so Tony, so new guys moved in and they're like, Tony, there's a lot of stuff missing. So Tony figured, figured it out, but he didn't know he did. He thought he, he thought it was actually a buddy of mine. He thought it actually was John Hewitt. So he had it out for John Hewitt. The next time his play, his team played John Hewitt's team, he had a couple of guys jump him. Oh God, <laughs> you got a guy jumped. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and Huey had no idea why Tony was so mad and had guys coming after him all game. <laughs> oh my god that's fantastic <laughs> yeah um oh shoot that's great that's again man that's all I can, the only thing i can say is it's just the quebec league it's just how it yeah. is um, so roach and i jordan roach and i both got traded to sorrel yep that's what you have there right sorrel yeah yeah we both played there so he was uh i was actually i was 32 he was 22 so i was like i was i'd been playing for a while and they kind of put me with him because he, he was a loose cannon, and they thought I could kind of, you know, you know, a bit of an older guy could kind of help control him, but not a chance. He uh, he pulled his mattress into the middle of the floor in the in the in the living room, just kind of lived there. He kind of lived and sleep and eat, and just kind of wouldn't move until we had practice or a game. And uh, we, uh, yeah, it was uh, he he uh, <laughs> he'd. Uh, he liked uh, he liked booze and and we'd get going and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, Roach, we got to shut her down. He he would he just keep going. The neighbors come over and he'd open the door and he would slap them. So he would open the door. There'd <laughs> be some guy at two o'clock in the morning, Dallas trying to turn turn the music off. Roach, Roach he just lean back and slap him right across the face and shut the door. <laughs> I guess they got their answer pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that quickly stopped. I couldn't I couldn't uh, imagine, man. Oh shoot! We, we went out. I went out with him. He, he was a good kid, uh, Rochi. He was. Uh, he was. A, he was a good. He had good hands. He was tough. Tough to fight anybody. But he just. He had just had this thing that you get a couple of drinks and we just like slapping people. And uh, we went out one night where uh, some everybody everybody knew us in town, especially him. And uh, we were out one night. He's just staring at this guy. I don't know why. And he just leans back right from right from his ankles and just slaps this guy right across the face and knocks him over. Like Rochi, what are you? Come on, man. You can relax. Right? And the bouncers come over. Relax, 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 relax. And this guy comes over. He's got a pink handprint on his face, right? And it turned out, he's, uh, it turned out the guys were saying, oh, that's Guy Lafleur Jr. <laughs> so uh, everyone's like, relax, Guy Lafleur Jr. So he's like, he comes over. So Guy Jr. comes over and apologizes. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't have any problem with you. I didn't know why. He goes, okay, I don't have a problem with you, but tell your old man to go to hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. Oh man. That's too funny. So we uh I remember we 
in that apartment and it was yeah he wasn't exactly a clean man i i'm kind of a clean guy kind of like almost like a woman and uh but we had nobody could tell us where the garbage was i didn't know where the garbage chute was and it piled up over a week or so i, I didn't know what to do we were on the top floor so i just one night i just fired it all on the roof i just kind of swing around i'm out in the balcony i just threw it all on the roof just like an idiot oh and uh i figure oh it's winter it'll be up there i'll be fine it's like i'm not sure actually what i was thinking and then uh the team got a call like a week later that <laughs> your tenants have been throwing their garbage on the roof. So I had to explain to our GM why I was throwing garbage on the roof. So he finally showed us where the garbage can was. I bet. Dumpster, the dumpsters. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, what a gong show, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick before before we get back to the LNH there, there's uh, two guys I got to ask you about. And one is one of them was from Monroe, and the other one is from Austin. Um, one of them in, in Monroe, of course, also played in the LNH, and you probably played against him there. And he was also a former guest on the show twice. Now he's actually the first player guest I ever had. But of course, Jason Renard. What was what oh, was yeah, it like Rennie. actually playing with Rennie? Rennie is a beauty. Yeah, Rennie's a Rennie is a good. He's a good guy. He's uh, he's a bit of a loose cannon. He's uh, he's tough as nails. He's not as not afraid of anybody. He's he's a uh, He's a real team guy, and uh, he'd really like to him. Fighting was uh, there was it was an, it was an art. It wasn't just a matter of going out and just uh, just punching people for the sake of punching. It was to get. It was to send send a message. It was to you know set the tone. It was it was to you know motivate the boys. Um, you know get the guys fired up, and uh, he was a good leader. He was he was a good guy, ready. Yeah, he Absolutely. was good. He uh, he was uh, he earned his nickname, Retard Renard. <laughs> the first time I ever heard that nickname, I yeah. about just peed myself laughing so hard. Yeah, just, it's, it's not politically correct anymore. But no, uh, it that, is definitely that's not. What he was, that's what he was called for the majority <laughs> of his career. I I was like super nervous to ask him the very first time I uh, I was in the interview because I was like, yeah. um, I don't know how he's going to take it. This is my first player interview. I was like, I'm about to ruin this show before it even you know takes off at all. And I asked him about it. And then when he was just explaining it to me, I, I had like tears coming out of my eyes. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, and the well, Reddy and I in touch, were in touch on Facebook. The last time I saw him, he showed up at my house in Toronto with vomit on his shirt. He didn't couldn't really explain why. But uh, that was about that was about a dozen years ago. I don't think I've seen him since. But uh, we're we're in touch on Facebook, and me and Dean Mayran are uh, you know best of friends, and him and Reddy are good buddies too. So uh, we're in touch that way. Right. Yeah, Renard was, he was actually, he was the one who reached out to me first before, because um, oh, I had yeah. made a post saying like, you know, I'm thinking about starting a podcast, would any players want to come on or whatever, and he was the first one to message me, was like, if you want, like, you know, just a nice open interview, you know, un- unfiltered, I was like, that's perfect, because of course, you know, I swear like a sailor all the time, and uh, I like all the yeah. inside stories, so he came on and he just killed it. It made my first interview so easy. So I, you know, I can't thank, yeah, uh, no, he, I can't thank him I, enough for I, that I, one. I heard the second one you did with me. I was good. Yeah. Story Lambert talked about when, when Renard was taking steroids and like, he couldn't, he couldn't use like his left arm or something like that. So his right arm was just jacked and like, or no, he says, yeah. Cause he was doing like, uh, he was doing like woodwork with his right arm and he couldn't use one side of his jaw. So the jaw was just jacked on one side. Um, (laughs) too great. And another guy I got to ask you about real quick, just because it's you know it's out of my curiosity. You, you played with him on um, Austin in the ice bats there. 
He was actually the very first guest on my buddy's show over there at Fourth Line Voice. But uh, Josh Mazer, what was it like playing with him? Do you remember him at all? I don't remember him that well. No? No, I I know I I I wouldn't be able to tell you. No. Oh, that's unfortunate. Well he led the team in Pims that year, so I was just out of curiosity with two seventy five. No, I it's it's funny. I haven't it's it's funny, uh, again it's been I stopped playing fourteen years ago and I, I just I don't really even think about it until I get until I get together with my buddy. So I'd I'd have to uh I'll look him up and see if I can remember. Um but uh, I, I yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about him right now. Right on. Well, I just thought I'd ask just out of curiosity because, like I said, it's yeah. just, uh, just you know, I could I could manage to think of it. But <clears throat> so now you're in Sorrel, and yeah. you're how, how is this team name pronounced? Because of course my French is always is it the Royal, Le Royal. Well, I'm not going to yeah. be able to say that. So the there, there you go. Fine. You got you got <laughs> you got the pronunciation down. Yeah. Um, and you end up there with uh, well, you just mentioned him was Dean Mayrand. What was it like with uh, Dino? Yeah, so I, I met Dino. Uh, he was the first guy I met on the team. And uh, Dino and I, he's, he's a big man, as you know, and he's tough, 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 tough as nails. Um, he's a super sweet guy. He's just a really nice guy, a gentle giant. And we hit it off, and uh, we just became good buds. And uh, it was always, it's always comforting having a guy like him on the bench. You know, like I said, every team has got five or six heavyweights and you look at the lineup you're like oh not again and uh you know what's coming like i know uh, you know i didn't fight like i said i, I fought a you know, maybe a, a dozen heavyweights in my career but most of them would be middleweights and stuff but uh you know you've just been looking up and down the lineup and take out thank, thank god dean's here you know <laughs> he, he can take <laughs> right. on he can take on those guys and, and uh that was a good year um i think um I think was that Gilbert Delorme was our coach there. Um, yep, he was. He was, yeah. He liked me. Uh, I was, I was scrapping uh, quite a bit there too. Jason Clark, you probably heard of him. Yep. He and I, uh, he's he's on like he's notorious for he's like one of the top ten all time pin leaders in the world. He and I fought every single game, every single game, and we always had good good toe to toe bouts. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, a good group of guys, I think was Jamie Linus there. Was, yes, he, was he was there. That's where I met he him. He was there. Yeah. So he, he was went... there with you and Sorrell and the next year in three rivers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a smart guy. He's a lawyer. And I, I got a bit of a story about that actually, um, coming up. Actually might be a good time for this. Go ahead and about... say it now. We, okay, sir, we, I don't, it doesn't we matter. We're not following any script here, man. You can go right off the cuff. Yeah. Okay. So I, I meet Dino. And uh, we become roommates and uh, game of the season. And uh, one of this, one of the, one of the fans, uh, first name's Julius. He, uh, excuse me. Um, he, uh, he, you know, he knew Dean and liked Dean and stuff like that. And this was like, this is like September early season. And uh, he'd have him over for dinner and he had a nice house in the St. Lawrence river and they go fishing and, it's just really, you know, you get Dean to sign stuff and all this kind of stuff. And he just, you know, just a fan or it just seemed to be a nice guy. So Dean comes to me uh, one day and he says, uh, Julius wants, uh, Julius is going to, wants me to come out to dinner with him. He's got to, he's got to confront a, uh, a business partner about something. And he just said, he just wants me there just to make sure nothing, nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary will happen. And he said, I can bring a friend. So you want to come? I'm like, sure. Like, yeah, being like a nice steak dinner. Like, okay. 
So uh, we go over to his house. He's got this nice house in St. Lawrence, Florida. He's an older guy. He's in his 60s, and his wife's there, and she's showing me her quilts and everything, and, you know, pictures and everything. It's nice. We're having a nice dinner. We actually knew off today. We're having dinner there, and, and there's a knock on the door, and some guy comes over, and uh, and he looks at us, and he looks all of a sudden he looks horrified. And uh, oh, oh, first uh, we we went downstairs. That's right. So we went downstairs after dinner, and we're watching. It was it was like baseball. We were watching baseball, and the doorbell rings, and then I can hear Julia screaming at this guy, and then he calls us up, and then we go upstairs, and. Uh, and this guy looks horrified and they're yelling in French and Dean especially became, he actually became almost bilingual. Um, and, uh, I picked up a fair bit, but, uh, we, we had no idea really what they were saying. And they were yelling back and forth and Julius kept pointing at this piece of paper and, uh, they were going back and forth and he was trying to get him to sign something and he was going on and on and on. He was, they were speaking, it was all in French. And, uh, he, he just, Julius just, just kept saying, he, he kept pointing to us saying just tell him stay here stay here stay here and this guy looked horrified and uh then he's gonna leave and then he tried to fight his way back in the house we kind of pushed him out and shut the door and that was about it okay so um and we're kind of like what well, that's all about he's oh no nothing nothing it's fine so the doorbell rings about half an hour later and there's about six cruisers outside <laughs> so uh police come at the door and uh so so what had happened is uh, Julius and this guy, Mr. Bonum, was his name apparently, there was some kind of business deal about some lease that Julius was trying to get, he was trying to extort him, trying to get him to sign something. And he told him, and uh, Julius was telling this guy, I don't even remember his last name, but he was telling this guy, he said, if you don't sign these papers, these guys are going to rip your head off. This guy's going to put you in the hospital, right? And so this is why, why this guy was horrified. We had no idea what was going on, right? So the police are like, you, you got to come with us. And Dean is like, I'm not going anywhere. And they're like, Dean, like, Dean we got to go. We got to go. So that, like, the whole deal, we get cuffed, we get thrown in the cruiser, we get taken downtown, we get fingerprinted, we get mugshot. I'm like, what is going on? And they put us, put, they put us in separate rooms. Just as an aside, funny story, they put me in a room with a bunch of files and I mixed up all the files on them. <laughs> just to be a dick. Way to go. And then, yeah. And then we get the, the, uh, we get thrown in jail and they take our shoelaces. I'm like, I'm not going to kill myself. Like what's, what's going on here. So they bring in, they bring in, we, we sat there until this was, uh, we went there for supper. We sat there till about two in the morning and they took us separated separate separately. And they interrogated us till about 6am. And apparently what had happened, we were being charged with extortion, unlawful confinement, oh, assault, um, conspiracy, all like some serious charges. And I'm like, listen, and, and oh, uh, we, so we called Jamie Linus, who is now a lawyer who at the time had finished law school but hadn't written the bar. So we decided we'd call him. So he was all excited because this is like his first case. Right? He's not even a real lawyer yet, but he thinks he is. So he's excited. He's like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. But I'm like, well, like, I'm just going to tell him, like, listen, so I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what you've been told, but this is what this is. I was invited over for dinner. I sat there. I didn't know anything was going on. I didn't lay a hand on anybody. I didn't touch anybody. I don't know what's going on. So, I mean, and they were, they were drilling us all night separately. And Dino was, Dino was actually really upset about it. I was like, I wasn't really bothered by it. I'm like, this is a joke. This is totally bogus. So we go back to our cells and uh, Dino's upset. We're in separate cells. I'm like, Dino, I rolled on you, buddy. You're going down. I'm just joking. And uh, then they separated us. Even farther, so we couldn't communicate. <laughs> and then we stayed there. 
yeah, they still put until about 6 a.m. and then they served breakfast at like 8. And it was like this disgusting cheese sandwich. And I, I, was I didn't want to eat sure it. That's so some I, quality, yeah, fine so breakfast. They had there. all these drunk guys in the cell beside me. So I just, I just throwing my cheese at them. <laughs> and they're like, uh, Mr. Rasmussen, please don't throw cheese at the other inmates. <laughs> so then we had to, we had to appear before the judge. And um, we were given a conditional release. And then uh, taken back to the jail, and then we had to sign some paperwork. I got my shoe. So they gave me my shoelaces back. The first thing I did was make a noose. I'm like, so can I hang myself now? And they're like, no, I'm out of jail. I can, am <laughs> I free to hang myself? So like, please, Mr. Rasmussen, don't make more trouble. So anyways, signed a bunch of paperwork. So Dean's kind of upset. I'm like, buddy, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. This is all bogus. So we go outside. So somehow, I don't, I don't know how this leaked out, but there's like, there's a lot of press outside. So we go outside and we're holding the recognizant and we're holding it up and me and Dino and we're laughing and we're, we're making gestures and thumbs up and we're hugging each other and high five. And people are these, we didn't know where they were from. These journalists are snapping photos. It was on page two of the Montreal Gazette. It was on RDS. It was, it was <laughs> two hockey enforcers arrested for extortion. It was actually a pretty big story. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, it all got it all got worked out in the end. We just had, uh, I think we had uh, just conditional terms, and uh, I think we paid a small fine or something like that. But uh, I had to get a lawyer and stuff. But it was a bit of a mess. But that was Jamie Linus's first case. So he's he's actually a successful lawyer now in Sorrel, no, in Longay actually, where he lives. Look at that! You popped his uh, popped his court sherry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's too yeah, great. Yeah, he was a good guy. So we became good friends. Uh, he was a he's a good leader. He was a good leader. He was the captain there. And uh, yeah, Dino was there. And uh, so they were my two best friends on the team. Right. Um, yeah, Dino's a beauty. For those out there listening, you can definitely go check it. Oh no, you can't! Damn it! Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm thinking now because of course, Fourth Line Voice, his podcast is down now, and he doesn't know if he's going to be able to get it back up. But he he had an awesome interview, and it was in, super in depth with uh, with Dean Mayrand. So now here I am. Just, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, oh, I heard it. So yeah. uh, so we uh, me and I we played with this guy in Sorrel. His name is Jacques La Riviere, and he was a really odd. He was a good hockey player. He came to the American League. Really, this strange guy, and didn't really get along with anybody. Nobody knew how to take him, and he, he went to the owners. He wanted to start some sort of charitable foundation, like his second game. Nobody really knew who he was. So, anyways, we were out, we were out boozing one night, and again, things are a lot different now. But uh, me and Dino and Jacques was there, and uh, Jacques asked us for a ride home. We were in Sorrel. We just had to go through a few side streets. So we get, we get, we get going. We're whipping through the down the side streets in the snow and stuff like that. We get to his house. And uh, I said, I said, uh, what, what I used to do this in high school like an idiot. When I take girls, I'm saying, I'm, I'm giving you a door-to-door service, and I drive them actually right up to the door. I drive on the lawn and drive them right to the door. So I said that to Jacques. I said, I'm driving you right to the door. There's like three feet of snow. So I pull around, and I'm going to back up on, on his lawn through the snow right up to his porch like an idiot. So I, I, I get going backwards. I punch it, hop the curb, and I get hung up on a fire hydrant. Okay, <laughs> so the, the car's hung up on a fire hydrant now. The wheels are spinning. We can't. We can't move. So his dad, we're laughing. I'm kind of. A, I'm kind of. I don't know what to do. So his dad came out. His dad was drunk. His dad came out, and uh, he gets his car, 
and we're trying to pull the thing out and we're revving it and back and forth. We got the <laughs> rope and the rope snapped and we finally get it off. We finally get the thing off. It must've been an hour, get the car off. And then we just kind of pull it in the driveway. And his dad was all excited. We were there and we go in his house. We go into his basement. We started drinking this portal that he had. And we, and I, I don't normally drink that much. And we drank probably, I don't remember, but I, I just, I don't remember when we stopped drinking. All I know is that me and Dean, who's six three, about two fifty, he and I woke up in the same twin bed. <laughs> oh man! I don't know. We both woke up the same time. We turned over, we looked at each other, and we're like, "What are you doing here?" Like, I don't know if there was an encounter. I hope not, but I don't know. That's, that's all I remember <laughs> from the night. And uh, we had we had a game that night. And I was so hungover, I could barely walk. And Dean had to drive. I, he pulled over twice. I puked. And uh, he drove me home. His car was at, uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to piece it all together. I, was, I had an apartment there. So he, uh, yeah, so he, anyways, he dropped me off at his place. He took his car home. So I went to bed. I set my alarm. Okay, so I'm just going to, I'm going to sleep all day and, you know, until it's game time, wake up and whatever, grab a shake and a some Gatorade and get going. And I slept through my alarm and I wake up and it's, it's like, I think the game was in Granby and it's like a snowstorm and I'm like really late. So I'm flying through the snow in my car, which has just been taken off a fire hydrant. It was damaged. <laughs> yeah. And I'm flying and I get there and I get there and I, I, I get there so late. I miss warm up. And again, it's like, you know, you got to be, you're supposed to be an hour and a half before the game. You got to be there early. You got to, you know, stretching out, get ready. And I'm, and I show up and I'm really hungover. And I, I tell Gilbert, I say, listen, I, I'm sorry I slid off the road. I had to get help. I had CA and come out. You guys, you guys are lucky to have me. I'm lucky to be alive. All this kind of stuff. So he's like, okay, okay. So we get out there and uh, I'm on the ice. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I was just, I was just in so much pain. And uh, I was just like getting the puck and just chipping it out and stuff like that, just taking like 30 second shifts and stuff like that. And then this uh, John Murphy, he's uh, he's a good guy. He uh, he he did something. One of our players gave him a cheap shot, and I and I said, let's get going. I don't know, I don't know how I did this. It must have been all adrenaline, but I absolutely beat the piss out of him. Just just it was one of the best fights I've ever had. Just toe to toe, just feeding them uppercuts, and it was like towards the end of the period. So I got. Uh, whatever, there's like four minutes left to period. So I went to the room and I'm in the room. I'm just exhausted. I'm sweating. I'm just like, oh, I couldn't catch my breath. And so Bear comes in. That's the only thing you wanted to talk about with the fight. Like he was so excited. So uh, the next, <laughs> the next I go for uh, the whole bench is yapping at me. Uh, the next shift I go out, they sent out their heavyweight. Uh, I think it's Jonathan Grayling. And he says, we're going I'm like, okay. So we get going. So I get going. Uh, I get going with him, and I land a few big shots early. I just come. I just pump it hard. I just and I and I tagged him a few times, and I rocked him, and uh, it surprised him. And I was really feeding him, and then I was exhausted. And I, all I did was just seatbelt him. I just grabbed him and just just bear hug him. I just didn't want to get hit. Like when I, I didn't, I'd like to fight open. When I thought if I'm going to be in a fight with the guy, I figured I want to at least punch him. But uh, I just I was just too tired, so I just kind of seatbelted him, and he kind of got t- he just he was getting frustrated. And the rush kind of came in, and I got tossed because two fight rule, and I and I got the I got the shower, and I got to sit in the stands and catch my breath and have something to eat and and uh, <laughs> recover. And I think I somehow got an assist. Um, and I think because of those two fights, I think Gilbert gave me player of the game. 
<laughs> nice, all hungover and everything. Oh, I don't ever remember being that hungover in my life. Oh, that's rough. I couldn't even. I couldn't imagine that, man. Because there was, there's been times where I've we've had to like go do like runs or whatever back in the military. I mean, after yeah. we just go on a heater the night before. And yeah, it oh. is one of the worst things ever. I couldn't imagine going going out on the ice to fight doing that. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so that worked out well. Then I slept for like fifteen hours and rehydrated. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I just think like, when I got on the ice for that first shift, like I don't know how I just I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Like it, it just hurts. It hurts to move. It hurts to blink. <laughs> right. Just everything just hurts. It's like crazy. Yeah. Um, so I lived, uh, so the next year, uh, so that, that first year, Dean and I didn't live together. But the next year we lived together. And, and so here's a couple of link stories. So link, link emerges. He was, uh, I, I don't know what year he came into the league, but there was rumblings that he was going to come in the league. And, I want to say it was and, like 2001. Uh, I can look it up real quick, but so I... maybe he was, maybe he was there all the time. We didn't seem too much, but he, uh, so I lived in a house with Dean in St. Jean and I played in I don't even remember what team I played for at that time, but Dean and I weren't on the same team that year, but we were roommates. And we were also roommates with John Hewitt, who's a good buddy of mine. Uh, who's also, uh, he's the guy that Tony Charcello sent guys after because he thought he broke into their house. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was an interesting place to live. So, I don't know, Link, uh, so this guy, Dean was friends, uh, friends with uh, this guy, Victor Gervais. Uh, it was a, he was a really skilled guy. He was a good hockey player. So him and Link used to carpool to the rink together um, for practice. And Link would kind of pat him down for his lunch money every day. <laughs> so Link would kind of take like kind of take like take twenty bucks off him. And uh, it got to the point where uh, Vic, Victor couldn't bring his wallet because Link could just take his money. So um, Link came. I don't know. It was weird. Link came over one day. We're not sure why. Um, our place because he was kind of in the neighborhood and he's him and Dino. I mean, they, I don't know, just the respect thing, but they just kind of were talking there and he had a, he had a baby, which kind of horrified me and the baby started squirming. And I said, Oh, don't drop him. We don't want him to turn out like you. Oh. And, and, uh, I found out later, I, I found out from a couple guys. Oh, Link didn't, Link didn't think that was funny. Yeah. Link's not happy. So, uh, 10 words you don't want to hear is Link Gates is looking for you. and He's not happy. Yeah. No kidding. So I laid low. I literally laid low for like three or four weeks. I was like, I don't know what this guy's going to do. So I ran into him one night at a bar and I went over him. He was, he was, you know, he had a few in him already. And I was like, Oh, like this is, oh, I don't know what to do. So I went over and said, Hey, like this is, I just loaded. joked. I'm gonna I meant get nothing. <laughs> yeah. I had to get a chair smashed over my head. I'm like, Lincoln, I was just joking, man. I just, just my dumb sense of humor. I didn't mean anything. Buy it. And let me buy you a drink. So anyways, I picked up his enormous bar tab and they were good after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes with link just get him some beer and he'll be happy yeah yeah <laughs> oh man um well you said you got a couple man you got another link gate story well yeah he uh <laughs> he uh he used to uh well he so i got this from gervais victor gervais the guy he'd take his money off he'd go to practice so they go to practice but instead of practicing he just he'd just steal sticks and sit in the stands and laugh at everybody <laughs> and uh they, they couldn't get him to practice and he just keeps stealing equipment and eventually they traded him. But before they traded him, um, he used to smoke, he'd go over to one of the guy's places and he smoked weed every day and he did. And, 
And they did this, you know, for like a couple of months. And finally, he says to him, uh, he's actually a, a buddy of mine. But uh, he said to him, he said, Clank, you, you know, you got to give me a few bucks. So uh, he goes over there and after practice to smoke some weed. And he doesn't, like, was like Link, you got to give me a few bucks. And Link didn't have any money. So he actually had to chase him. He had to actually chase him out of there with a knife. And uh, Link, Link went down to the parking lot and was losing his mind and took his car and started ramming his car. Oh, my God. Drove he turned it into a yeah. demo derby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, that's, that was the final straw. So they traded him after that. And the car was a, was a lease from the team. And oh. he took the car. They traded him like the summer, like East Quebec, and he took the car with him. <laughs> and they had, a, they had a send like a police escort to go get it. Oh my God, that's it. You know what's funny is it's just like it sounds shocking, but I'm just not surprised because it's Link Gates, so you can't be yeah. surprised by any of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's too great. Yeah, this one of my favorite Link stories I've ever heard. I think it was Fourth Line Voice who told me about it, but somehow, some way, they were at like an IHOP or a Denny's, and Link was like mad the food was taking too long, and he ends up punching out the chef in the back. <laughs> And puts the chef yeah, that puts too. the chef hat on and starts whipping up the food in the back himself. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, shoot. he wasn't afraid to throw a sucker punch. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not yeah. not even a little bit. <laughs> um, well, so you end up in Three Rivers, man, and you said you uh, you wanted to tell the story about how you actually managed to rack up 200 uh, penalty minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll get to that in a bit. First of all, I played with L.P. Charbonneau in Three Rivers. I actually really liked him. Oh, he's yeah. But yeah he's hockey. got a hell of a lot of pims. <laughs> he's the dirtiest hockey player that's ever played. Dirtiest. Dirty. And he'll he'll be fine with me saying that because he embraced the role. He played it really well. He just loved having teams hate him. He was just, just a prick. He was tough, too. The thing is, he was tough, and he could fight. He just, he just didn't. He refused. He would turtle. He would... Uh, suck guys and taking penalties. Then he jumped the league scorer. Then he slew foot the goalie. And the first time I played against him, he uh, he's one of the guys I said we played this team before November. And there was three guys that had over 300 minutes, and he was one of them. And he kept sticking me in the nuts every time we were on the ice. He just laughed him like, and I just like I tried to get him to fight, and he wouldn't. He was just laughing at me. So finally, I said to him, "If your stick touches my body one more time, I'm going to spear you right in the face." And he just laughed. And we never got back on the ice again. But I'm sure he would have. But anyways, I played with him, um, and he was actually uh, he was actually a good teammate. He was a good guy. So he lived, played for Three Rivers. He lived in Sorrell. He was so hated by the, he was so hated by other teams that he actually had to move. He had to move his family. Oh my god! <laughs> that's, that's how hated he was. But he boy, could he ever get the rink fired up? The whole the whole arena, the whole team, the coach, uh, this. Coach in Sherbrooke was a bus driver, used to be a bus driver. And Charbonneau would dr- skate around the ice, turn the play, pretending to drive a bus, and it would drive the coach crazy. <laughs> the coach hated it. Coach hated it. And he'd get the, the odd time he'd get a 10 for it. Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got to 200 penalty minutes. So that's kind of like the, the bare minimum to be like a donkey. If you're going to be a hockey donkey, you got to get at least 200 pins. That's kind of the bare minimum. So was that 190. And uh, it's the last game of the season. I'm thinking, okay, how do I get 10 minutes here? I don't really feel like fighting twice, and I probably shouldn't take five hooking penalties. So uh, this guy I didn't like, I can't remember his name, 
we were, uh, we were on the ice, and he kind of tried to take a bit of run of me. He kind of missed. So uh, I wasn't a big deal. We get off the ice. So I, so I get this idea. So anyways, the next time he skates by, I just stand up. I take my helmet off, and I whip it out. <laughs> there you so, go. So it, it kind of surprised the bench because it's not a typical hockey play. But anyways, I, I hit him in the back. It surprised him, and I got a 10. So it got me to 200 minutes. There you go. You threw it at him Mike DeGur style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Goose. I played with him for a bit. Yeah, well, what was your thoughts on Goose, man? I had him on the show uh, a while back, too. Goose is awesome on here. He was – I played against him uh, a lot in, the, I think, the Whipple, but uh, he was a, he was a good hockey player. I don't I don't remember a lot about him, but he was a good player, and he was tough. And he, he'd fight – he just, just one of those guys, he'd, you know, hit and fight and score, and he'd, he'd do it all. And we played – I only played with him for a bunch of games somewhere in Quebec. I think it might have been Three Rivers, and I, I think they didn't keep him for some reason. I'm not sure why. Oh really? But we we only played a handful of games, and I was bugging him about how he jumped me one game, and then he was kind of hurt his feelings, I think. But uh, anyways, uh, that was my only run in with Goose. Right on. Um, well, yeah. so <laughs> you ended up getting the uh, the two hundred pims, so you finally got that under your belt because uh, the year before you had one hundred seventy seven. So yeah, you managed to finally get it. <laughs> finally cracked two hundred. Yeah, and it was that year yeah. too. Just real quick, I want to ask you before we go to uh, go to Laval, you know, V two. You uh, you fought Donald Brashear. What was it like fighting Brash? I did. Well, see, the funny thing is, Brash didn't want to fight guys like me because he wanted to fight. He wanted to fight the top, the heavyweights, right? So I actually one game I just absolutely abused him. I was sticking him and spearing him and cross checking him. I I, I kind of did want to fight him. I didn't think I'd probably do, do very well. But I kind of because he was he wasn't well like he was he actually wasn't respected, well respected. He was uh, he, he was uh, he was he was a bit of a prick. And uh, so, anyways, um, he uh, he fought. I think he fought. I forgot who I, who he fought. He might have fought uh, fought Justin Linus, Jamie's brother. But uh, we got going. Uh, we had a line brawl. We and I squared off. And he uh, yeah he he gave it to me. Pretty good. <laughs> it was it was. I mean, it was a really short fight. He just got a. We just kind of went down. He just started. He started punching me when I was on the ice. He did it all the time. He get players to the ice, and he, it's like when Russ coming to try to break you up. There's a, usually an element of respect. You just kind of you know respect your opponent. You just quit throwing punches. That's when he started throwing the most punches. So that was it. But the, the um, another sort of whole segment we could talk about is as I started boxing when I was out there. Oh, there you go. And I don't even know if you knew that, but. Um, we had promoters come to a bunch of guys that, you know, were, you know, some of the top players, guys that like to fight. And they said, we'll get you a trainer and uh, we'll teach you how to box and we'll have these galas in the summer and uh, you guys can compete. So uh, I did. So uh, Paul Evans was my trainer. Dean and I trained together. We, we stayed there in the summer and we trained together like every day. Um, did a lot of sparring with each other and against other people. We, we actually got pretty good. And I was, uh, I was, uh, 17 and two. And I actually ended up having two pro fights out in Vancouver. Really? So I actually did pretty well. I was pretty good. It's funny. Some guys were really tough on the ice, but they just couldn't box. It's, it's, it's very, very different. The ice, it's a lot of, there's more grappling. It's grabbing sweaters, it's pulling guys off balance. Boxing is just, it's just freehand throwing punches and, and, and evading and avoiding and blocking. Right. So it's, it's, it's quite different. It, it does help. There's like, there's, you know, transferable skills. But um, I was supposed to fight for sure, and he actually backed out. No kidding. Because I was doing well. I was, yeah. 
not saying I would have, you know, I would have, I don't, you know, I'm saying I would have beat him or not. I don't know, but uh, I was doing pretty well and I was winning all my fights. And I wasn't fighting like, you know, any, I wasn't fighting any Mike Tysons or just, you know, a bunch of bums, but, but, uh, but at least I was winning. And he wanted to fight some guy that he knew he'd have a better chance winning against. So actually, that's my Dean fought this year. Uh, oh, I no believe kid. they boxed. I think they did. I know he boxed uh, with uh, Steve Bosse. I know he boxed with him. He might have boxed with, yeah. Dean boxed with, everyone knows about Bosse now in the UFC, but Dean uh, Dean and Bosse boxed a couple of times. Dean Dean gave it to him pretty good, but now, of course, Bosse has had an amazing uh, MMA career. But, yeah, um, for sure. Um, uh, Mike Broll fought Brashear. He's the only guy that beat me. Um, he beat me twice, and then I we fought the third time, and I beat him. Well, he Mike, but bro, he, he just loves to fight. <laughs> he just loves to fight because there's it, guys, there's guys in that league. They 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 bring these these guys in, and these uh, these native guys, and they're they're great. They're great kids, and they're they're all they're all the same. They're all tough as nails, and they were skilled, and they're you know they had good hands and stuff like that. But they they like it's just unbelievable. They they drive around town looking for fights, and if they couldn't find them, they just fight each other. And they just drive home. And some of the guys in, in, in the Quebec League, you didn't you didn't necessarily live in the same city you're playing in. Some of these guys they'd live together, but they played on separate teams. They drive to the rink together. They'd like jump each other in warm up. And half, sometimes you get tossed, and half the time they're not even refs. And they'd fight their first shift and get tossed, and then they just drive home together. Right. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Typically, so actually, again, uh, it's the Quebec League. <laughs> that's the yeah, only way to say it. It's like, it's like wow. Yeah. Um, and I actually got back into boxing just about two months ago. Nice. Uh, the gym I work out here, there's a boxing trainer, and he's, he trains uh, some people a little bit, and uh, the people are there beginners and actually look adorable. And he trained this one Japanese kid. He was really snapping punches and moving around really well. And I started talking to the trainer a little bit, and uh, – told me, yeah, you know, I competed, uh, you know, had a few fights under my belt and a couple of pro fights. And he's like, oh, you know, let's do a session. It's on me. So we did a session. I kind of got the itch back and started uh, started training with him again. And uh, he said, um, you know, there's some galas coming up you might want to compete in. And so now being an investment and retirement planner at a bank, I qualified. There's a, there's a gala in Toronto called Brawl on Bay Street. Bay is a financial center of Canada. It's kind of like Wall Street in the U.S. And um, so it's where corporate professionals fight each other for charity. Fortune nice. proceeds go to charity. So uh, the promoter called me. He was so excited. And uh, I was the head. I was the headliner. I was the main event. And it was supposed to be May the 7th, but it's postponed six months. So I was training uh, twice a week. I've been training twice a week boxing again. And uh, <clears throat> the promoter's like, when's the last time you fought? And I said, well, after. Uh, other than one church hockey game, I haven't punched anybody in the face in 14 years. So that was my last fight. So he's like, ah, oh, 14 years. Oh, you can forget how to walk in 14 years. No problem. So he's, he set me up with a guy who didn't have a lot of experience. But um, So anyways, I'm really disappointed, but uh, it'll be going on in November. So with this whole crazy virus stuff, hopefully it'll be it'll calm down soon. And, and uh, yeah, we'll get rid of this plague. There you go. Yeah, but, that'd be sweet. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I know Mayrand actually opened up his own boxing gym too. It seems to be doing yeah, quite well. Yeah, he did. So uh, it's yeah, good for is, him too. He's doing very well. He's, he's doing very well out in uh, Cold Lake, Alberta. He's got a boxing gym, 
I see his stuff, and he's uh, yeah, he's, he's quite good. He's, he's, he's got back to his competing again, and uh, he's doing well. He'll he'll uh, he he has potential. He could uh, you know he could uh, he could do some damage. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, Dean's yeah. just a huge dude, <laughs> just a, a yeah. massive human being. Um, he actually broke he broke his hand on my head sparring. So really? I can, one thing one thing I will say: you can't teach this. I can really take a punch. Hey, so you don't, that's, that's you don't necessarily want to. But it's again, it's something you can't teach. I I have walked into so many bombs, and it just kind of stuns me a little bit. I keep going. So Dean just hammered me one night, sparring, and I actually broke his hand on my head. I've had a few guys break their hands on my head, actually. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Kind of felt bad. He was out for he, he he was having some problems with his hand. I think he told you that on uh, was it uh, this podcast? He was saying he broke his hand a few times. Oh no, that was uh, that was of course fourth line voice. Yeah, so, which of course you can't even hear it anymore. Yeah. It sucks. Um, but uh, anyways, um, moving on. You got to Laval here, and you had quite a team. Well, you actually had a guy who was also a previous guest on the show for the LNH special. But you had old Curtis Swanson on the team. What was it like playing with Swanson? Curtis Swanson, twenty. I tell you what, um, he got better. I I heard uh, it was either Lambert or Renard saying how he just kept getting better and better and better. And, um, but when I played with him, I was afraid for him. Like he, he was fearless and he'd go out and fight the toughest guy in the other team. And this guy is like, I mean, he maybe played, I don't know. He maybe played triple a hockey and no more. Like he, he just was not, he was not solid on his feet at all. He, he's a big right. guy. He's a big guy. He's about, you know, six, two, six, three, about two twenty. He's a big man. But he and he wasn't very good, and he would get pounded sometimes. Sometimes he'd do pretty well, but he would just get absolutely pounded. And I was afraid for him. And uh, but he was fearless. He'd go out. He went every night. Every night he'd go out, night in, night out. He'd fight everybody and anybody. And he got better and better and better. And uh, I left. That was my last year. But he kept playing. He kept getting better. And I saw some videos. Uh, I've seen some videos of him. And. Um, yeah, he, he was uh, he proved a lot. He did quite well. Yeah, a, a huge fan of Swanson. He, I mean, he yeah. had what was it oh, 70, 70 something fights in a season. That's just unreal That's to even think about. That's what I'm saying. Like he just he just loved it. He oh just yeah, get enough. And he, he didn't care if he lost. He just go out. And he, yeah, he did. Next shift, just go out and fight. <laughs> um, but he got. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. He's listening in here. <laughs> he's a top guy. He just he fought like he he'd fight all those super heavyweights, right? right. And he probably he wasn't quite ready for that. Right, but he got to the point where he was. Right, yeah. Great. But oh, yeah. when I played with him, he was he wasn't quite there yet. So he got, yeah, he got on the he was on the, the wrong end of a lot of fights. But um, but he ended up doing well through his career. Yeah. Another guy you had on that team, and of course, you know, legend in the L N H world, and he uh, had a couple N H L games too. But you uh, you played with Pat Cote. Oh, yeah. What was it like with Cote? Oh boy, he's he's the scariest hockey I've ever seen. He's just. He's absolutely jacked. Just he's about six, no, three, six, four. Just Ho- hockey chiseled. DB has him at six three, one ninety nine, and I can tell you, folks, he was he was definitely not weighing in at one ninety nine. Oh, in, uh, in the LNH, he was probably up at two sixty, two seventy. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, just and that's just shredded jacked. too. Yeah, and just just angry. I just just wanted to. Go. He just wanted to hurt people. And it was scary. It was, it, we were a different team when he was in the lineup. Like he was hurt so much, and he was suspended. So he played maybe he missed at least half the season. Yeah, it says I think he has but like we 18 games this season. 
he was. 14 games, that's what 18 was. games? 14 games that season. Yeah. yeah, that was it. 14 games, so there you go. But when he was in the lineup, we were a different team. So, you know, you, you play a little differently, but you know you got a, you, you got a guy like him watching your back. Um, and, uh, but just, I, I, he and I almost got going a couple times and he dropped his gloves in front of the net and I just kind of grabbed on and I was like, he, he had like tearaway jerseys and stuff. And <laughs> I mean, I just kind of, I just kind of buried him. Like, I don't think I want to deal with this. So, uh, that's, that was my only running with him when we were, he, oh, he took a run at me actually once when that same game I passed the puck and about 10 seconds later, he came in to hit. I'm glad I saw him. I, I just got out of the way. Like, like <laughs> he just, he just kept, he just kept coming. Um, he would have just smoked me, but, uh, that's what, that was him. He just ran around and just, he punished guys and he was tough. He, he was as tough as tough as there is. And he was mean and angry and he was strong and he was good. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm a huge Kote fan. I love him, but it's unfortunate kind of where the, uh, the, the path he's gone yeah. down a little bit here recently. So, uh, you know, all the yeah, best how, to him. How's he doing? Do you know? I don't know because, well, of course, anything that comes out, it's always typically in French. And um, I'm, well, my yeah. French is not what you'd call good or even <laughs> even yeah. close to good. So uh, yeah. the la- last thing I heard was he was uh, he got offered like a, a kind of like a, I guess like a plea deal would be the best way to describe it. But like to get out of jail. And he chose, he wanted to stay in jail, I guess. So, um, wow. Yeah. That's oh. last I heard. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, he got, you know, he got shot. He got shot in the head, actually, in jail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He did. Do that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad he survived and I just hope uh, things get better for him. Right. Well, um, well, we pretty much just covered your whole career, but there's two things I got to ask you about, and I, I mentioned it in the intro here. I got a couple. I got to tell you about last year, but anyways, keep going. Okay. Um, yeah, of course. Any any stories you have, man, just cut, cut my well, ass we, off and, and go ahead and yeah. have at it. Um, but but I'll, I'll hear what you have to say first. Well, I wanted. To, I just wanted to ask. I know you only played this. Well, it says only one game here, but I just had to ask, man. What was your thoughts on the Roller Hockey International, the RHI, with oh, Las yeah. Vegas? So I was uh, okay. So back to Tupelo, Mississippi, with Demetrius Dijon and, and Ed Abernathy. Uh, at the end of the season, we just kind of hung out for a while. At the end of the season, there in Tupelo, and me and Demetrius were buddies with Ed, and we just stayed with Ed. At his he had kind of had this farm, and I think he shot his neighbor's dog, and it was just like it was just a mess. And uh, Dimitri or somebody got wind of the RHI and uh, said. Um, uh, I, I forget how it all developed, but uh, I got a hold of, uh, it was Las Vegas, uh, Chris McSorley, and I said, you know, I'd like to come to camp. And he said, sure. So I've never been on rollerblades in my life. I think this was 1999, uh, I think. And uh, so we're in Mississippi. So we bought, we went to Walmart and bought the only rollerblades they had. And he and I had to spend everyday rollerblading. They actually, we started uh, kind of a pickup roller, uh, roller hockey league there and we just played every day. And then we went to camp and he went to Buffalo and I went to Las Vegas and uh, made the team. And uh, I only, yeah, I only got in one game. I was there for, um, there's guys that had been playing for years and stuff like that. So when I was, I was on the team and I was, I was there for about 10 games or something. I was, I was a scratch for most of them and I played, uh, just played the one game. But it's, it was it was good. It was fun. It was fun living in Vegas. For I was there for a couple of months. 
um, you know, as you, as you might imagine. Right. But uh, it, it's it's a different it, it's a really different game. It's a different feel. Uh, of course, you know, we'd have soft soft rubber wheels and we played so we would play in in arenas um, that had plastic flooring on it. So the the wheels would could could grip grip the flooring quite well. So if you turned really sharp, you could almost like stop. Like you couldn't do like a regular hockey stop where you would slide sideways. You can't do that, but you could kind of almost like kind of turn really quickly and stop that way. But that um, was fun. It was fun. It was good, good experience. You know, I would have liked to have done it more, but uh, you know, just again, I'd never been in rollerblades in my life. But uh, I was glad to at least make the team and get one game under my belt. Yeah, exactly, man. Well, you got that one game. Hey, and according to Hockey DB, you had an apple in there too, so you managed to rack up. You got one one game in one point, go. so you're a point per game player out there. That's right. That's not bad, is it? Yeah, there you go. Not every player can say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and of course I know you got some stories still, um, but of course, and May Rand was involved with this too, but you were an extra in The Love Guru, were you not? I was an extra in the, well, it's special skills. So actually we'll back up a bit. How this, uh, how this started, this actually started in Quebec. So there's a mini series there called Lance Combe, the Gypsy Scores, which is like the biggest thing in Quebec that nobody in the rest of the world has ever heard of. And it's about um, the Quebec, I think they're called the Quebec Nationals. So the, a team that plays out of Quebec City. And it's like this, kind of sitcom soap opera thing. Um, I don't think it's a comedy. I don't even know. But anyways, <laughs> they uh, they asked a bunch of guys if they'd be interested in doing it. And uh, I was one of the guys that asked. And uh, I said, absolutely. So uh, we filmed 10 episodes, actually. Um, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. So it was, uh, we played, uh, so we would have set plays. How, how it works, so I was actually in Miracle and uh, Love Guru as well and I've done a bunch of uh, commercials and I've done an HBO miniseries uh, Rent a Goalie so how it generally works is you'll have a set play so you don't sometimes they'll just kind of scrimmage and they'll just just film open play like that but you'll have like a set play where the defenseman will peel around the net he'll go up the wall to the winger and he'll chip it off to the defense or to the to the centerman centerman cutting and then far side to the winger and then you know around the defenseman and score or something like that it's actually kind of hard to um to choreograph because especially for the defending team because they have to make sure that the, they have to allow the play to happen but they have to make it look like they're really trying to stop it so but it was neat it was, uh, we were filming uh, uh, quite a bit uh, 10 episodes so it's for a couple of months so actually this is a good lead-in to my final shift story but actually I'll just I'll just finish finish with uh, the rest of the, 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 the film career if you want to call it that so I was out uh, out in Vancouver um. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think the timeline. This is before I went. This is after Laval the first time, and before I went back to the Quebec League the second time. I went out to Vancouver and traveled out there, and I was playing just playing pickup hockey with a bunch of guys. And uh, they said, "Oh, there's uh, they're they're looking for hockey players for a movie." And they said uh, the guys were saying you should go out. So uh, I go out. So I had no idea what to expect. So um, it was like. It's like American Idol, like there's 2,000 people there. And, you know, I was in line for like an hour. I'm thinking, this is stupid. So anyways, I go up there. So Ryan Walter, I don't know if you remember him, but he's a former Montreal Canadian. And 
oh, what's his name? Chris, is it Chris Ellett? He, he was a director. And then they had this other guy, uh, uh, Rick, who was an NCAA hockey player. He was trying to get into the film. So they kind of interview you and uh, you know, ask you where you played. I say, you know, played a few years of pro and based on your, your look and stuff like that. So out of about the 2,000 people that um, went for the audition, if you want to call it that, they uh, gave 300 people a tryout. So they give you a number. I'm thinking, you know, like regular tryout on you'd be running some drills and scrimmaging and stuff like that. But all it was was like one at a time, you'd, you'd skate. They'd, they'd have, you know, skating around pylons, pivoting, stick handling, taking a shot, and they just kind of film you. And then they just, they, you know, next, next next they just have guys go through that and they just kept kept cutting guys and they kept about 50 and i was one of the 50 that they kept so they initially pe- put me on the russian team because they wanted the best players on the russian team um and so this is this is miracle this is miracle the miracle on ice story uh, the movie's called miracle it came out in 2001 kurt russell's in it um it's actually a pretty good movie so but then i was moved to um I was moved to the, the Swedish team. I played on the Norway team. I played on a bunch of teams. They wanted the Russians. They wanted how they wanted to cast it. Is they wanted to have the American players smaller and younger, and they wanted to have the Russian players older and bigger. So I'm I'm five eleven, about two ten. So they wanted to have most of the Russian players like six two and up, right? Casting it like men against boys kind of thing. Right. Um. That way. So I was initially on the Russian team. Then I was moved. Then I was on a bunch of different teams there. And then I ended up being like on the Swedish team on the podium at the end. So that was fun. It was good experience and then um yeah and then the love guru so mike bajerny was in that bob probert jim thompson um jamie allison uh some other buddies of mine you would know uh, um rob boyko so they even had uh, some, of, Ryan, some of you lnh degenerates in this in this yeah, movie yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and that was a howl i tell you what that was uh that was, so that was filmed at the ACC and at General Motor Center in Oshawa. And boy, did we ever have a blast. It was just like playing again. It was just like playing again. Because my, my, this is a couple years after my career ended, and I kind of skates up for a bit. And uh, just to be reunited, just to hang out with Dino every day and Proby. Proby's a beauty. And uh, Badge. Yeah, do you have any do you have any Proby stories real quick? Not really. Not, to be honest, not really. Uh, he... Uh, other than he got he got had a couple of drinks in him one night. Some guy was trying to get trying to get tough him at a bar, and I thought Pro was going to absolutely rip his head off, but uh, <laughs> nothing came of it. But he was a good he was a good guy. We used to he used to yeah I don't know he kind of took a shiny to me. We'd have lunch together and uh, he did uh, yeah we we'd carpool and stuff when we could and uh, yeah he was a good he was a good guy. It was really you know it was really uh, tragic to hear about his death. But I think it happened the year after that. But he's not in the movie. I'm actually in it quite a bit because Mar- oh, Mark Ellis, that's his name. So it was the same director that did Miracle, that was now doing um, the Love Guru. So when I when I went for the edition, I, I I guess he liked what I did in Miracle, so he, he picked me right away because the selection process is actually pretty quite stringent. So I was in a phase. I was in like I'm all over it um, on the bench, and there's even a, a shower scene if you if you care to watch. Um, with Justin Timberlake. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't see his dink, so it's okay. But um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was just fun. It was just fun being boys. When you're when you're filming, um, there's a lot of downtime. Some of the listeners may may have some experience with filming, but I mean, you you may you may go to the rink, and you may sit there for twelve hours and never get on the ice and then just go home. Like, really? That 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 that's yeah that that. 
I wouldn't say it's typical, but that that happens fairly often. Or you'll you'll maybe half an hour, you'll go on for half an hour. They'll do uh, you know you'll sit on the bench and they'll do a scene, and then you'll sit in the room for another six hours. But it was just just hanging with the boys and just being stupid and the antics and and uh, it was just it was a lot of fun. And then of course you know we were doing. We were doing, we filmed, uh, you know, we filmed uh, between period, between uh, a Leaf and a Detroit Red Wings game. So when they, when they wanted to film, when they wanted to have, you know, uh, film with, with a full arena. So they did that, uh, we did that then. So that was a lot of fun. Um, it was a good experience. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it was, but we had, a, yeah, we stayed over. We actually got kicked out, a bunch of grown men. We all got kicked out of the Hilton one night um, <laughs> in Oshawa and, uh, <laughs> I think it's universal. They weren't happy. And uh, I got some stories that I won't, uh, that uh, remained off the air. I was about to say, but, like, keep uh, to yourself off of the air. <laughs> I got to keep myself, yeah. Did you yeah, uh, but, Did you ever uh, meet was... Mike Myers? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I didn't talk to him. I mean, he I've kinda... heard he's kind of an, kind of an a-hole. I, 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 that may be the case. I don't know. That was my experience with him. We just, I kind of chatted with him a little bit on the bench one day, and then we just kind of passed the puck around a little bit. Uh, he's a big hockey fan, and that was my only experience with him. But I, I met him a, met a couple times, say hello, but nothing more than that. We weren't, we weren't. So we're we're special skills. We actually made a lot of money. I made about fifteen grand or something doing that. No kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. But I did some stunts and stuff too as well. Um, so I get extra pay for that. But uh, so it wasn't bad uh, for a couple of months. Um, but uh, I mean, we're not. We're it, it's. You know, it's like a cast system. Like it's, you know, the the stars are treated much differently than everybody else. You know, like the extras are treated like cattle. We were treated pretty well, but uh, special scope, nothing like the stars. And we're told not to talk to them. Not in some cases, we're told not to even look at them, which is ridiculous. But wow. But uh, he 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 seemed to be fairly personal. He might be an AO. I don't know. But but uh, that wasn't my experience with him. But uh, Justin, like a good guy. He was a really good guy. He he kind of hung around with us, and uh, he was he was fun. He actually used to. So he remembers me. The funny thing is he remembers me playing in Memphis because he, he's from Memphis and used to go to our games. Really? Um, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I should say he remembers me, but he remembers, he, like, doesn't ever remember me specifically, but he went to, he used to go to the games. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. He was a good guy. He was, he was fun to hang around. Well, right on. I've heard. Well, I think from what from what Mayrand had said is like he was in character at the moment. I guess so. That's why it kind of rubbed him the wrong way, maybe. Um, and I know some actors want to really get into it when it's uh, when it comes time for. It. So maybe that they just caught him at a bad time or something. Who knows? Yeah, um, it could be. But well, you wanted to talk about your your last shift, man. What was that well, like? Well, so my last year, so I three rivers i started the year in three rivers and i was playing well and i, I really enjoyed it there and then i was so disappointed i got traded to saint the saint i wasn't there very long and then i got traded to traded back to laval so back to where it all started again and the coach i don't do you have the name coach oh give me two seconds here uh oh wow they don't have it no they don't have that's like the first one I, i've pulled up the entire time and they don't have the damn coach's name i can't remember his name but i played against them uh, in the United League, and I remember getting a fight with him. We were down on the ice, and I pulled his ears, and I bounced his head off the ice. And he remembered that. He kind of didn't like me, but we we, we kind of got over that. But he was he was uh, he was a terrible coach. He was a, he was a nice guy. He was fun. He was good with the boys, but he had absolutely no idea how to how to coach. Um, it was kind of a free for all out there. But 
I was, I was, my career was winding down. I was four years old this time and I'd had enough of the gong shows and the fights and everything else. And I was getting stiff and sore and everything. So anyways, um, so just, just to back up a bit. So we filmed this, this long thing comp, as I was saying, this Quebec miniseries, we filmed it in Quebec city and they were advertising on the radio in Quebec that for like we we'd you know we'd film sometimes they'd have extras we'd have extra we'd have fifty extras there and the way they'd place the camera the you know the camera would catch all the extras in there and and you wouldn't know whether or not the rusty arena was full because the camera would just focus on those extras right uh, but it, they wanted to do some wide angle shots they wanted to have the arena full so they advertised that everybody come out for free come out for free and watch the filming of Wanse Comp so. We, we showed up on the bus there and we were treated like rock stars because I didn't, nobody, again, nobody outside Quebec knows who these people are, but some of these actors are pretty famous. They're well known and stuff like that. And there was like people going crazy. We got off the bus and girls screaming and wanting our autographs and everything. And so the, the Colisee was packed. And that's when we, we, we went through, uh, went through a whole bunch. That was the final game of the season, actually, when they win in the story, when they win the Stanley Cup. And I went through a whole bunch of plays. We filmed for most of the day. It was a ton of fun. And uh, I was in a lot of the plays and stuff. So I, was, I, I felt like I was kind of a hero. I probably wasn't. But uh, it was fun. So anyways, a week later, a week later to the day, I think. So I'm playing for Laval. We're in the playoffs. We're playing against Quebec City in the Colisee. And uh, playing in the playoffs. And they had a much better team than us. And they, they were a pretty tough team. So we're down by a goal with like a minute left. So we pull the goalie and, uh, you know, we're putting pressure on. So anyways, they end up scoring. So now it's three to three to three to one or four to two or something like that. So the game's over. So they get the last change being the home team. So they wait to see who we put out there. So I was out there and put a, put a couple of semi-tough guys, but, um, I think this was the, yeah, this was the first game of the series. So I don't think they wanted to have too much of a ruckus. So they put a couple of, you know, put a, put, put a couple of middleweights out there, but, uh, Nothing, um, maybe a couple of heavyweights. I, I forget who the guys were, but as soon as the puck drops, three of our guys go charging for our bench and our three of our heavyweights come on and they charge straight for the goalie. Right? Feel like the puck's going one way and the whole team's skating the other way. Right? Yep. Stefan, if you remember him, he was the goalie. So the, the puck actually got dumped in behind me. We all just start, everyone's just charging towards the other end of the other end of the rink, charging for the goalie. And there's like an explosion of men right at the goalie, like, because they had a couple guys jump on. Now there's like seven, eight guys on each team on, and just an absolute mess. And I'm fighting this guy, and I don't know. He wasn't wasn't tough. He actually played for the Sabers. I can't remember his name. And I I punched him down to the ice, and I said, "Just stay down." He kept getting up, and he'd throw him again. And I punched him down to the ice, and he'd get up. And this happened like three times. I started to feel bad for him. And he's like, "Hey, maybe you want to help out your bench." So I look over, and there's an absolute riot going on with our bench. And and just as I looked over. Uh, I looked over that a pane of glass was picked up, was pulled up that separates the fans from the bench and was dropped on our trainer's head and knocked him out cold. Oh my God. So I, I go, I mean, people are are swinging sticks and throwing beer cans, absolute mess. So I go flying over there. I just jump over last, just punch some fan. He he flies back about five rows. And then uh, it, it just keeps going, just getting worse and worse. And me, I think, I forget who, I think it was, I forget who was on the ice with, but uh, we just, I just started grabbing sticks from the stick rack and just started harpooning them up in the stands. And they started throwing them back down. We fired them back up and throw them back down. And then there was this big cable. Uh, I don't think this game was televised, but they had the, this big, big uh, cable that was attached to the television cameras. 
and I was swinging it, and I'd swing it up into the fans. It was so big and heavy, it would knock a bunch of fans over. Then they'd throw it back down, I'd throw it back up. And so this pane of glass is missing. So this fan is, is, comes down, and he's got, a, he's got a beer can or something, and our coach is looking one way, over the glass of the fan. And he was gonna, I think he was going to hear a coach. So I jump up on the bench, and I'm about to crack, my, my, I'm about to crack him the ribs of my stick. A cop <laughs> jumps out from nowhere, pepper sprays me right in the face. Oh, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what happened. I've never been pepper sprayed before, but it, it, it bounced off my eyeballs. It was, the other side of the face. It, was, it, it was so bad. It was burning their faces coming off my eyes. It was absolute. I don't recommend it. It was absolutely excruciating pain. It, it started stinging and I realized what had happened. And I jumped off the bench and I got, I went around on the ice and I ran into the shower with my skates on and my, my gear on screaming. I just turned the showers on full and just like washing my eyes on all. Oh, just brutal and i was so mad and i could i hear the riot going on right went on i'm in the shower on my back screaming the shower on full with my equipment my skates on i can hear this riot going on outside and eventually died down i was so mad so anyways i got a three-game suspension a few of us did and uh, we got swept and so that was the last game of my career well, that's that's one way to go out with a bang, I guess. <laughs> that's a, that's that's you what that's 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 one way to go. Sure, it's quite the swan. Some guys song. go out with championships. I went out going out getting pepper sprayed. <laughs> Good night. That's insane. Yeah, and that was that was the last. Yeah, that was the very last shift of my career. And uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, there's about four. Of us. I think we got three games suspensions and we got swept. And that was it. And then I said I, I can't handle this anymore. And I came back to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Packed it right and, on in. Uh, started a new life. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, that was uh, that was awesome, man. That was a hell of a career you had. Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on, and I can't thank uh, you know Dean Mayrand enough for reaching out to me and telling me uh, you know get get Rasmussen on. He's just got some great stories and you definitely did not disappoint, man. Um, so, you know, th- thank you to both of you, you, yeah. you and him. I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, this was fun. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, you have, you have a, you have a page on Facebook, right? Uh, I got my, my Facebook profile. I got the, uh, the Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. group and then I got the, yeah. um, the so I'll, podcast I'll see you on there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, well, you got yeah, my number, too. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks for having me, Alec. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Well, you have yourself a good night. You, you too. Fight. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.